Let's go! Let's get rolling here. <laughs> all right. Um, I'd like to welcome all of you to our second episode of the Real Euro Football Talk. I'm Coach Mele, alongside my co-host and actually my boss, head coach Sebastian Fonda from the Robinson Razorbacks. Um, I mean, I have to throw that in there. It's, it's, it's a fact at the end of the day, but um, we'd like to welcome you. One quick deal is if anybody at any point has some sort of feedback for us or any ideas, hey, just hit that comment link on our previous um, on our previous episodes or this current episode because this not only like we've talked about is about football, it's also talking about other aspects. Um, we want to kind of branch out and see where this goes. So we're open to, to feedback. That's our biggest thing. Um, some people may not agree with what we talk about. At the end of the day, what do we know? It's like social media and shows like you don't have to agree with everybody, right? Um, without further ado, I have somebody here who I hold very dearly. And to I think from the most, from most of all, everybody in Europe knows um, Coach Frank Rosa. He holds a very extensive coaching resume, also as a player, you know, big time. I mean, we could compare you to what, Tom Brady probably, something like that. You're the German Tom Brady. Um, yeah, German Tom Brady, Michael Vick mix. That's what I would refer myself to. High <laughs> <laughs> expectations. Was this 15 years ago or like yesterday? No, kind of like I, I still had it at scout team based, you know, so, but yeah, it has been a while and there's not a lot of tape of my things. So, <laughs> so the VHS so. times, you know, so. <laughs> no, but I mean, kind of going back a little bit between me and you, it's like, I know you back when I started my coaching career in 2014 at the Vita So with the Vita Schallspot. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, for me, and I talk about it, and people know that, that for me, you're, you're essentially a sort of a mentor to me. You are a very close friend. Um, you are like a brother to me. Um, it's like, you know, we have the same mom and dad. Um, but also, like, you kind of served and kind of paved the way. You're one of the few coaches that showed me, yes, we do coach in Europe or in Germany, but we still take this seriously because of what we're trying to achieve. This is our career, and we want to make it something, not only for ourselves, but ultimately the players that we coach. Because at the end of the day, for us as coaches, and I believe we share the same mindset, is we are teachers at the end of the day. We serve as dads sometimes, role models, and we're here to change lives. But I first kind of want to go about, essentially, you've had a journey, a coaching journey. And I kind of want to go about that, how that came to be from your side. Yeah, like, uh, before I tell you that, I just remember that moment in 2014, I had an early quarterback meeting. I think it was 6.10 or 6.15 a.m. Everybody of my QBs was pumped to have that. <laughs> I walked down the stairs in training camp, and there's this melee guy sitting <laughs> with waiting for his DBs to have an early bird meeting as well. So that was the moment where I knew you for real. So that's why I just can't say the same words back, man. Really appreciate all you do, all the effort that you put in for all these millions of dollars that we make out here in Europe. <laughs> I'm bankrolling. I'm bankrolling. See my Lambo outside. Yeah, yeah I, I know, man. I know. Yeah, your office looks pretty nice. So that's actually the highlight. That's all his idea, though. Oh, good job, Coach Sebastian. So, yeah, I um, even professional. Yeah, exactly. Like my office here. <laughs> um, yeah. So appreciate you guys for having me. First of all, I think it's really cool that you guys do this and. Um, yeah, my journey. Um, Coaching-wise, I started in 2004 as the quarterback coach for the Bavarian Warriors. Um, 
back then I was still a player. I just came out of the Bavarian Warriors junior team. So I was 20 years young and um, had the chance to start there as the quarterback coach, which was a crazy transition since I knew um, half of the team still from my years playing in the Auswahl team. So that was kind of crazy, but I instantly loved it. And exactly as you said, coaching is teaching. It's, it's not about us. It's, of course, we love what we do, but you try to help somebody else get better. And sure, back then, I still wanted to play and want to become the best I can be. I dreamed of playing in the NFL Europe and in the NFL. But yeah, that uh, mix between Tom Brady and Michael Vick was more in my head. So I could not really bring it to the field. So <laughs> I have to say that too. Yeah. But that was my starting point. And how uh, how was your how you saw it as a player? How you get in touch with American football? But I mean, right now kids kids have it easy. NFL is everywhere. I remember when I stopped playing football, there was one game a year was like the Super Bowl on the RD, <laughs> and that's it. And, and yeah. when you say I, I play cornerback American football, what I did, I say yeah, but I don't watch ice hockey. I was like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How, how you get in touch with American football? Yeah, also you have a weird commentator, right? Like Boris Becker, I th nothing against Boris Becker here, but yeah, when he commented the Super Bowl, I was like, great. <laughs> yeah, same. That happened in 1997 um, when Joseph Joyner, who is now currently the wide receiver coach from the Schwäbisch Hall Unicorns, shout out to my bro over there. Um, he came into my class in Königsbrunn at the Hauptschule cool. so and we became like brothers and through his dad who was coaching in Königsbrunn at the time or started to coach I believe I joined a practice with 13 years of age but I was scared as shit so it took me two more years until I finally really showed up at practice again and then with Joe again and then I found out hey I'm older stronger I'm actually pretty good well decent good And I had for the first time really fun in doing something that is so, I don't know how to say that, strange in this German world. So, yeah. And you always quarterback? <laughs> you start straight with being a quarterback or, or how, how that comes? In, in fact, Joe was the quarterback then because he really could throw damn good. And I started as a receiver and inside linebacker. But yeah. that inside linebacker position was due only for the first quarter of my first game <laughs> because I did not quite understand um, tackling. So instead of tackling somebody, I tried to push him out of bounds, but he stayed in bounds and scored a touchdown run. And yeah, I not bad. Not bad. got stopped. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> so and then when Joe later on in that same year moved back to the States with his dad, Well, I was the only guy who could throw a decent spiral. And then, yeah, I became the quarterback. That was my journey. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And how, how that goes on, where you play as a quarterback, where, how that goes on. Yeah. So, well, first I didn't want to do it, but then I, of course I did it. And then a year later, I made it into the Bavarian Warriors uh, all-star team in 2000 as the fourth backup quarterback and the starting holder. <laughs> so, but back then it was like an eight or nine day camp with full tackling. Of course, nobody gave a damn about the fourth string quarterback. So always I was live. Um, but 
for the first time, I really had so much fun. Like I, I learned about the true value of like teammates, supporting trust, confidence. And I was in dreamland, like for one week, just football for the first time. So this is where my real passion came out. Who was the coach back then when you were there? That was Pete Mangos. I don't know that. But Coach Dan, uh, Daniel Koch, was there as well as I think the linebacker assistant. Uh -huh. And then a year later, Florian Bernbeck, Bernberg took over the program. Yeah, and he really helped me to grow mentally strong and find confidence because I did not have a lot of confidence back then. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like just a Tom Brady, Michael Vick skilled guy, but I could not, you know. That's true. That's true. No, I, I remember him. My first year coaching was 2014 at the U19, with the U19, sorry, um, mm. where uh, he, he was the guy breathing over my shoulder to try to make sure I was doing everything right. I, I, was I remember. That, that's when, that's when um, Coach Reiner brought me in as a DB coach, and he was still there when he was kind of helping, but not like 100%. And he was always like, I felt like he was always like, like uh, how do you say it? Like the, like the shadow. Shadow, yeah. <laughs> following him all the time. Like, it, it, to be honest, it stressed me out more. And I, I'm trying to, like, improve if I knew my, my stuff or stuff like that. But I still remember him, like, just sitting. I'm like, why is he always next? <laughs> you know? So wherever you go, he just followed you? Like, you show up in the bathroom, he's lie, right there. Because that's the thing, right? When we first met, it was, like, 2014, my first year coaching. You know, I come in, and I have all these, all these big dogs, you know? Yeah, you Oigan, who was just came from the championship year 2013, yeah. where we won oh, for the first time. Coming in, they're like, "Oh, we got rings," you know. <laughs> Ringer sitting in his room with was it that 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 little whip action app and Cookie's looking at us. Can you guys be serious? And I'm well, sitting. What exactly like, happened in the defense meeting, man? I was a serious offense guy. We did not do. Oh, oh, okay, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it? And then was there? Albert was there. Smokey was there. So I'm kind of sitting yes. there, fre literally fresh meat, and I'm kind of around these guys, and I'm like, what is happening in here? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the reality huh, of serious <laughs> meetings. With like his, his daily naps, he'd always get butt naked <laughs> on everybody and then get in bed and take like 15 minute naps, and I'm sitting there like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Are we sure we're recording everything? I might really do have some videos, but I'm not sure if they should make it public or not. So, yeah, let's just, just leave it like that. We'll, uh, we'll somehow get in trouble for that one. No, no, no. But like, because how, how did you make your way to like, for example, because I know it was it in Königsbrunn and then you were also playing in, in Swarkle, for example? So I, I started I started with the ends and in 2002 I made the switch to a youth team in Munich the NFA Munich Monarchs um, which are now the Feldkirchen Lions basically so I played there for a year got back to Königsbrunn and then after that I went to Stuttgart to um, the Munich Cowboys played there for a year um, played I, I studied abroad in Spain for a semester I studied very hard and I played for the Valencia Firebats. And then when I came back, um, I had the chance to be the third backup for the Raiders. And I, I started as a camp arm because Cal Callahan back then, who was the starting QB, had to go back home family-wise. So I was a camp arm with uh, Adrian Platzgumer. And then, yeah, I, I had some good throws, some very terrible throws. And uh, yeah, but I, I made it as a backup guy. So that was a really cool experience. Uh, who, who was coaching there at that time? That was Shuan Fatah and uh, Lee Rowland, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Great times, yeah. 
How, Great how, times. Was that, how was that transition going from, let's say, the Ans to Stuttgart to Munich to Swarco? Because, I mean, what, what years were this again? Stuttgart was 2007. Then I had a, a back injury, so I joined the Cowboys in 2009. 2010 was Spain. 2011, I didn't play at all. I thought I'm done. And then 2012, I had my last official season as a player. How was it going to those programs and ultimately, because that was basically at the time when Schwan was building, building that, I mean, I'm going to say it like it was a powerhouse. It's still, it's about yeah. until essentially right now, no, no pun intended, but now he's at sign. Um, yeah. How was it making that transition and now going to basically play for him while he was building stuff? Because who was the OC? Was Lee Rowland was already there, right? Lee Rowland, yeah. Mm -hmm. well, how was it being there in that program, basically in those times when they were building something? Amazing, man. Like, of, of course, Stuttgart, we had in 2007 a very successful year. We went to the German Bowl and lost against the Lions. Um, Dennis Zimmermann had an amazing game. Um, but then going to Swarko was definitely the most professional I've been a part of in Europe. Um, just how everything is structured. Well, I, I had a great ride with Kevin Heron up there because he worked in Munich back then. So we drove up there by car. So we had great conversations there. And Kevin is a great coach who is now the head coach, great mind. Um, so driving up there, you're already like in football talking mode, you know, then you join there, the meeting usually already started. We were a little bit late, um, but obviously Lee Rowland is in my opinion, just a great guy and um, also a funny coach. Um, <laughs> don't want to get too deep in some comments right now, but that's good. I don't like being in somewhere, let's say, I'd rather be with him on the field than off the field, let's say that. Yeah, he has a very <laughs> British humor. <laughs> um, he, he, he brings forth huge peer pressure on other people, just saying. Yeah, 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 that's just, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to continue together, okay. No, because yeah, but I loved it, man, and then obviously, Shuan how the way the practice was structured, the way it was run, it's like really as professional as it gets. Like everybody is, every second I felt like was really well organized and used. So that was really good. Would you say you took that experience, like seeing that structure, what it is to essentially like, this is a thing, right? We still talk about European football, but you can yeah. still structure it. You could still run it like you would a high school program or a college program. Would you say you took that experience and adapted what you saw there to what you ultimately did at other programs and what you're doing now? Absolutely, yeah. It was my, of course, in the Bavarian All-Star team, we ran a good structure too. But that was really next level. Like really everybody's running. Um, there's no wasted time. And also when a play or something was messed up, it's done. There is no like repeat hundreds of times. We had to learn that if you do shit right, well, you better get it right. Otherwise there's no second chances. And, so that was something, but also really just speeding through the individual period because before I attended, individual period to me were most of the time a little bit not relaxed, but not as stressful. So there I really learned how important it is to make practice more stressful than the game. So you're already used to it. Yeah. And it was, it was just cool to experience that because to be 100% honest, quarterback progression is always a tricky topic, but because of Lee Rowland, I got a different view on some things, progression-wise. For example? For example, just uh, uh, Coach uh, Sebastian, can you close your ears right now? Like, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Now, it's, it's just the easiest thing is if you go for verticals, maybe one of your slot receivers is the rhythm route or the first read. So you want to time that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, he's taking notes. <laughs> he won't remember. Um, he won't remember. <laughs> yeah, so, so just basically have a really progression. Um, and usually every OC or quarterback coach should do that. But have a progression, time that with your footwork of the quarterback, time it with the timing of the route. And if that, let's say we use the slot receiver bender route, and he has a collision, so obviously the timing is off. And then don't tell your QB to stare down, stare down. Fuck it. If you hit your third step out of the gun, that timing is not there or that space is not free, go to your next read. And I, as a player myself, um, I had good coaches. But I felt like I never had such a clear progression. It was usually, oh, if you see too high, go to this side. If you see one high, then do this. And okay, great. But what if, I don't know, I don't see the safety rotation or I don't know, like cover two, cover four, damn, it can look pretty similar, you know, like there's so much. Or then you have cover six and I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, Mind-blowing shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, so that, that really helped me um, to get a different approach in progression, which is kind of like the Bill Walsh progression, right? You peak and then you go one, two, maybe check down. That's kind of like the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah, but loved it. Loved it. So, thank you, Coach Roland, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, well, because Coach uh, Roland and Coach Shuan also take time to listen to it. Um, how is it for you? I mean, I'm you know, also a German kid to become a coach. I learned the most of the German or, yeah, let's say, European coaches who give me advice. And so I've, I've been also to Ole Miss and to the States, but I have a handful of coaches I, I learn. It's like Coach Bruce uh, Kruse from, from the Dresden Monarchs, Lee Rowland when he was at Dresden, Schuan Fatah when he was at Dresden, and, of course, Nick Johansson, I made him in Kratz, he's American, and uh, Seth Wormack. You also helped me come to the stage. So this is just five coaches I learned the most from. And I feel always when a European coach like you or like Coach Mel, like me, when we are come to one success point, when you look back, you always see the cross-array with Juan Fata. <laughs> the coaching also, trick. Yeah. I mean, you're also more an offensive guy. You are a Lee Rowland, but they're working at tight together over the last 10, 15 years. Is yeah. it is me who feels that, or is this this are the two coaches you say they're really open to help young coaches because we all know they're coming great big names American coaches over and you work with them and after a year you feel like yeah but what I can do and I always feel like when I was 18 I was flag team coach in Dresden. I think I know football. I'm the greatest coach ever. <laughs> I go in the office. I say, Shuan, um, I play next week against the Outlaw. I put everything on the whiteboard. He was looking at it like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Erased everything. <laughs> let, let, let's do it like this. And I feel like, oh, that is the real football going on. I don't know how you feel with this with these two guys um, because we bring up the names and they're for me all really big names yeah. football. I, I think to this, um, from a US experience, American coaches don't, and I'm not saying everyone of course, but they don't share because it's, 
like, of course, there are great ones. And I had the chance to meet really great coaches there, too, that shared a lot of knowledge with me. But like, if you go to these clinics, they talk about the surface of some things, but not really coaches go deep into their stuff. So now if we talk about coaches like Shu and Fatah, they have been in the shoes where we were. Like they started from zero. They started like even back then, not saying they're old, but like YouTube is my number one resource. If I have a question about anything, like I had to change my flat tire on my bike, haven't done it in a while. So I looked yeah. up how to change a flat tire and got it done. Yeah. So, um, so these guys know how the struggle is real when you just have no clue, when you just try to try not to drown, you know, try to get shit done. And I feel like that that's why these guys share also and help. Yeah. So you yeah, like, as well as a coach like that, you're like open-minded sharing with young coaches because you're old yep. right now. You share. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Good one. This is, this is a lot of shots fired today. No, you're a lot of shots. Today. Thankfully I'm bulletproofed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I share. And maybe you've seen my, seen my quarterback video that I uh, did, um, that I uploaded on YouTube. I, I made that. Oh, perfect. Um, damn it. Then he really knows what I'm doing. Huh? Um, Everybody knows. All, all five viewers of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I even hit the thousand viewers mark right now. But... No, keep <laughs> You're not making money of it. <laughs> now, I. Here's the thing what I believe like, it's a copycat world. We all try to figure out our own puzzle. And the real key is what players do we have? What are their strengths and how do we use them? If we go back to that full vertical concept, if I don't have a quick slot guy, I don't need to use the bender route as my first read because it's not going to work. Um, so I love to share. I love to help because I know how it is if I don't know what to do or what is the best way to do. Um, and I feel like um, this sharing or no caring, no sharing, no caring mentality is just harming the players because we try to help to develop the game, develop the players. And the reason why I put the video out there is like I made it for, because I had the chance for an NFL internship. So at some point I looked it up, it had really four views or five views. And I'm like, well, I guess nobody gave a damn. And then I was like, okay, I can like let that video die on YouTube or I might help one guy out there to look it up or one quarterback out there who has no quarterback coach and at least know what he can do during individuals. A spot where I have been in Königsbrunn when we went to a camp in Italy, I looked around when it came to individuals for 15 minutes and I was like, okay, I have no coach. Everybody's doing shit. What I'm doing right now. So I came up with some footwork drills that I could do during that time. And that's why I share. I will not give you my video and my, my signal videos. I might not share the game plan I have against you, but <laughs> if you if you ask me a question, I'm sharing. Perfect. But I want to say this. Yeah. I don't like talking football with too many guys because many guys are ego-driven. That being said, I can say, hey, I coach the quarterback technique like this because of this and this and this. And they just don't give a shit. They just want to bring their impression or their opinion on me. Which is fine. I love learning. But if you're ego-driven, well, I'm not really. I'm like, okay, whatever, man. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I hope 
young coaches, young players listen to that. And I mean, we, like we say, we bring up other coaches or even me or Coach Mella. We are always open. If someone has any question, hit us up because we all know how it was. Like, I'm now 33. I know how it was 13 years ago. There was nobody waiting for Sebastian out there. You have to look for your own way to get it done. Which comes now to the next topic. Now you've been a player at the Swaggle Raiders. How you say, how you make the decision, now I want to be a coach and I want to do this full time. How, how that was going on to the journey of being back in a long journey of being back right now in, in the GFL with the Dukes. It has been a ride now, yeah. I, so 2011, I didn't play because I started coaching. I, I took over the Augsburg Raptors junior program. We played in the lowest junior league in the Bavarian, uh, Bavarian Federation. We had um, Spielgemeinschaft, like a combined team with Landsberg. And I started my first practice in Augsburg with eight players. So that's how I started. <laughs> did all the stuff that all these other German guys very or European coaches very well of. You try to recruit players. You see a big fat dude. You're like, hey, you want to play football? Hey, you want to play football? All get frustrated. Nobody shows up. But we won six out of seven games um, in the lowest league. So that was pretty cool experience for most of these kids. Um, then a year later, I joined the Rangers, the Munich Rangers in the fourth league as the quarterback coach. Um, worked my way up every year from the coordinator to the head coach. Joined the Cage of Wildcats in 2015 as an offense coordinator. Um, in the meantime, I also got the chance to be the quarterback coach of the German national team from 2011 till today. And 2011 to 2015, I was the offense coordinator for the Warriors. So I kind of like jump-started my coaching career with doing as much stuff as I can to learn and grow, but to teach and share. And I love that journey. I mean, like, as we all know, doing a lot of stuff can like be very exhausting. <clears throat> I also did ran some camps in Germany, Switzerland, and Spain. In Spanish, and uh, there, there's a specific word in Spain. Cuno is cone. Conio is, um, <clears throat> I have to be very careful how I say that right now, it's like a certain part of a woman's body. And I mixed up these two words. <laughs> Everybody laughed. So I think it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I still remember that joke. I forgot how many years ago you told me this, what happened. I think it was. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. You told me about it too. No, because, like, I mean, I think all of us in this room share the same philosophy where I was kind of talking about before when we had our pre-talk before we went live, but um, the thing that you notice out here and kind of talk about where, where you've gone like year to year and you've had to make the steps, because this is a thing, right? What people would understand if you want to make a career coaching, you have to have that, that mentality when you say this job where I'm at, it's essentially a stepping stone. Yeah. And I know we've kind of had this conversation a few times where, kind of working our way up to where we are right now, what happens along the way? Let's say you leave a place and you hear, for the most time I hear in Europe, you don't hear it in the States because in the States it's normal for somebody to just take on the next job. Like right now with Mike yeah, exactly. he came from Wazoo, right? Wash State, literally the week before he signed his extension, the next week he's gone and he's at Mississippi. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is like, people look at it here in Europe where it's like, for example, for you, and I want to know your thought process of it, did you ever have any feeling or guilt or something when you moved on, let's say from one program to the next, the next year? Because this is a thing when we hear about it in the forums and all that, people talk crap. 
they'll, they'll say, yeah, Oh, he's leaving up his family and blah, blah, blah. And I always say, it's funny. We talk about family, but maybe I don't have a job next year. Maybe I get fired. So there is no, <laughs> I love you guys. I don't get me wrong. I love you guys. I want the best for you guys. I really care for you guys. But at the end of the day, it's a job. Yep. You know, yep. I, I agree. And if, if somebody like, okay, let's, let's say this first, I got a lot, I felt a lot of guilt for leaving former teams because other people made sure I feel guilty for a decision that I made for myself. So why the hell should I feel guilty if I'm not happy at point A? Because for whatever reason, like if the reason doesn't matter, maybe I was the problem, I don't know. But some people are making sure that you feel guilty for leaving a hobby or a volunteer program or as a coach than something where you make millions of dollars. And I, I hope that at some point we all realize that If somebody decides to leave, why don't we ask him, why are you leaving? Instead of just, oh, he's leaving, he's, he's cancer, he's a bad guy, whatever. So I had a player when I took over that Augsburg team who was leaving, and I asked him why, and he said, well, I don't really trust this program here, and I don't know you, I don't trust you. I'm like, hey, that's fair enough, you don't know me. I'm sad he didn't give me a chance, but it's fair enough. So I just would love that in European football community, we realize Joining a team is not a cult. And if somebody is like leaving that team, then we should figure out the reason why he wants to leave. If there is no possible solution, then I wish you all the best. But hey, maybe you come back later, five years from now, and then we work together at some point again. But I feel like people don't understand that because we think short term, not long term, and we are too ego driven. Like you leave me, oh, F you. Stupid. Yeah, that's that's 100 true. Because I mean, I remember was it 20 2016 when I came back to Alba from Kiel, and I remember getting an offer. And you had a journey as well. I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I, I thought we kind of connect. Um, yeah. Anyhow, um, I remember when I had the offer to go to Shabbat and I felt bad then now being basically gaining the trust of the guys again in Alba because for a lot of the guys it was like, oh, maybe they left us and went to Kiel. You know, well, it's like. I'm going to take that jump because it's a great opportunity, especially for the, the coaches that I had there, the program that was ran. It was as professional as you can get. Um, yeah. But I still remember that year now into the offseason going into 2017, I had the offer from Jordan Newman at Hall, and I felt guilty to leave. But if yeah. it wasn't for Coach Kaler, Brian Kaler, who ended up going to Frankfurt, and now he's at Weinheim, uh, the Longhorns. Weinheim, Longhorns, yeah. And he's like, melee, go. He said, go. He said, yeah. he said, I've taught you everything. You've reached the roof here. He's like, it's time for you to go. You're, you're going to progress in your coaching. He's like, he's like, you have to take it. Amazing, man. And if it wasn't for Amazing. him, the, the guilt wouldn't have been there. I still felt bad and stuff like that, but at least he kind of like relieved that kind of weight off my shoulder that was kind of more like, oh, I'm leaving them again. You know yeah. what I mean? And of course, there's still yeah. people who still say, oh, he left us and he's not loyal. Well, it has nothing to do with loyalty. Yeah. No. Loyalty no. is what I'm saying behind your back or in closed doors, you know, and at least I had the support from him, you know, and that's yeah. what I could say with you where it's like, like you said, it comes down to people making you feel guilty about it. You know? Yeah. Not the situation. Yeah. I don't know nope. how Sander feels about that. No, I mean, 
Absolutely not. I'm, how you, I mean, I will quick explain how I get my jobs and or what, why I get jobs and how I make it to the States because uh, I think you have also a very interesting uh, uh, genre in the States. So when I was young, I was like, with a dressed monarchs, I'd never be a big player. I start coaching with 16 and then I get the opportunity to go first time to Austria with 22. And then the Braunschweig Lions call me at 23 and ask me if I want to be the special teams coordinator, which sounds awesome. And Amazing, man. People asking me, why you ever leave Braunschweig again? I tell you, I, I get 300 euros a month. And I'm living, I'm living in a room <laughs> with, with students together that cost me 400 a month. So that's why people say, oh, that, why are you doing this? So I, I, I was working in a Chinese restaurant, cleaning a table, <laughs> driving taxi, selling jeans in a store, and just make my money to, to stay alive. And I had one year later, great opportunity, the former head coach, he said, hey, you want to come to uh, Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri? Funny note, um, Troy Tomlin was the offense coordinator there. I eat, wow. I eat random noodles. I spent every single cent on this flying ticket to go over there. And then I say, fuck it. Now I'm here. I want to make the next step. I sent out 700 letters, physical letters, to wow. every school. And then three answered Harvard, Duke, and Ole Miss. And wow. Ole Miss was the cheapest one I can get in. But don't ask how this year in Germany, I take every job I can get. Everyone's like, oh, Coach Fanon is moving teams around. I said, I take the German teams to save money to get my dream back in the day, get that run. I remember when I come back from a great experience. We beat Odell Beckham Jr., LSU. We play at Johnny Mansell. I come back at Frankfurt Airport. I call my sister and I say, hey, I'm broke. I need to come back to home. So, wow. <laughs> this is what it is, you know, how yeah. much you want to put in. So, this is why when players tell me, coach, I can't come to practice, I say, oh, you sure? You can't come to practice? <laughs> I mean, yeah, what's your and, excuse? And of wow. course. I mean, and how, how you come to this, how you, because we all know there is no 20,000 euro bill a month for a football coach. <laughs> how you come to... I really say it like it is, stay alive as a European football coach because people out there, they always see, oh, you, you're the head coach. You're sleeping the whole day, go once a week to practice and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> How are you coming up? Because you did also a great journey from USA, Japan, all that stuff. How, how, how did it come for you? Well, let me put it like this. Besides Japan, everything was struggle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like besides Japan, everything was like, I mean, I thankfully I never had that situation that I arrive at Frankfurt airport and I'm, I have zero on my bank. So I'm happy that never happened, but I saved um, every money I could get while I was studying. I studied to become a teacher. Um, so, yep, Mila, that's right. I see you looking at me right now. I'm a teacher. So. <laughs> I'm like, where's this going now? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I had tons of shitty jobs. I worked as a bouncer at nightclubs. Like, they were not super dangerous nightclubs. Um, I'm probably people that know me know I'm the least aggressive person ever. 
Um, but believe it or not, it helped me to become a better coach because at some point you have to stand your ground if you have a couple of angry, angry people that you have to throw out <laughs> that are two bigs or two heads taller than you. Like, <laughs> thankfully, they left voluntarily. Otherwise, it would have been a really bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just fall on me and I'm dying. <laughs> But yeah, so I had tons of shitty jobs in a, in a um, packaging uh, company where you get treated like shit. So I saved up all these money. And um, every time I had the chance, I flew over. So kind of like what you did. And um, But it's worth it. So yeah, I never refused that I don't chose a different lifestyle of Absolutely. safety and, and comfort zone. El Paso, how you come to El Paso? Wow, that's a long story. Um, yes, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so generally, I, I want to say that these traveling also to the pro teams that I had the chance to came because Eugene Kremser sent an email to Jim McNally. Jim McNally answered, they became really close. And so through Eugene and Jim McNally, I got the chance to visit the Cowboys in 2012 and connect with coach Bill Callahan, um, who is now the online coach of the Browns and um, stay still in touch with him. And that's kind of like how the journey started. Um, so then 2015, while we were at the European Championship with the German national junior team, um, a friend of mine, Benjamin Hammer from Rosenheim, who was back then in Western New Mexico and is now the graduate assistant at uh, Northwestern, he connected me with the German video coordinator from UTEP, Jürgen Kapp. So he came by to scout some European talents and I just asked him, hey Jürgen, do you think you can ask your head coach if I can come by? He did, the head coach said yes. I came by for two weeks. Two years later, I asked again if I can buy, come by for the whole spring and volunteer, they said yes, worked my ass off. At the end of the journey, I asked the head coach straightforward, is there a job for me? He said, he will see. Three months later, I got a text, you got the job if you want it. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing while he was texting me that, but you know, I always expected when I get the message, it's like, I don't know, the confetti is falling down on me. I just <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, at the end of the day, for, for a lot of European coaches, especially Europeans in general, working the way up as a coach, that is the dream job to get that yes. And yes, you know, how, how was that transition now going from being a German European coach to now coaching in the States? Because that you now have to work your way. Because at the end of the day, as a GA, it depends on the situation yeah. you're in. Maybe you get a good situation, maybe you don't, but it's what you're the assistant to the assistant of the assistant. Yeah, that's how you can explain it. <laughs> you're, you're the guy who makes the least money and who has to be always there. Like, I never forget my first free weekend. I woke up on that Saturday and I'm like jumping out of bed, trying ready to run somewhere because I thought I'm late. And then I remembered, oh, wait, the season is over. It's okay. I'm good. I'm safe. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was be, because when, when I arrived at Ole Miss, it's just, you're getting tons of, you're, you're coming in with this expectation of, people showing you the world right now. Okay, this is how we call serve <laughs> down defense. This is, and then you sit down with the breakdown films, making notes. I had, for every outside linebacker, I have a, watch the film after every practice, make a breakdown, five good points, five weak points, sending this out. And I was prepared. I was like, it's rock and roll in this, in this linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
okay, thanks for the paper and sitting back and listen to the other guys. But it, it's yeah. still this unbelievable world. I mean, you're talking with, with, with players and, and, and coaches. I, yeah. Of course, you learn a lot, but this is why I was asking you before which coaches infect you. Um, because for them, coach is a business. They're always there to tell you, hey, get your shit done. If not, you're flying home tomorrow. You know, yeah, very true. Of work, not of like sitting down with, with you guys here and then talk about X's and O's. Um, yeah. That's how, how it was over there. I don't know. And we all know Omaze is the best university in the world, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> UTEP? Well, not record wise, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, how, how was it at Upper, uh, uh, yeah, El Paso? I mean, amazing. So um, exactly what you said, nobody really explains you shit. Um, I thought I get there and everything will be like super, ex like everybody will explain me exactly what to do to give you my first motherfucking lesson when I got motherfucked for the first time. Mm. I will never forget that. So I was responsible for the scout DBs on my first year there. So the whole camp, of course, everybody was there in August. So what poor me didn't know is when class starts, some people, especially the walk-ons, are not going to be there. So I never forget that last walkthrough before we flew to Oklahoma to play them. Um, my safeties were not there, none of them. Of course, rookie GA coach me did not know to check that really. So my walkthrough was about, or our walkthrough was about to start the mock game. The scout defense runs on the field. While I'm jogging on the field, I realize, where are my freaking safeties? Oh. Sorry, what is that? Is that me? What are you doing? Sorry, guys, do you, do you hear that? What are you watching? Yeah, there's some voice in the back. What is that? <laughs> we can't help you. I know which other sites you open there. It's your Private this area. Is, this is like back with the with the Ausfall again. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like back with it. <laughs> oh, but I mean, it's okay. I mean, we'll, we'll let you handle that. But kind of touching on mine, I mean, it's funny because actually, when I was in Keel, the biggest thing that I don't know a lot of people know, Coach Stephen Parker. He coached at Oklahoma State, um, was an All American yeah. in Arkansas with the Miami Dolphins. Was also uh, coaching at New Mexico Highlands before he came over here. He kept the structure. And he had yeah. a high expectation. Like, to be honest, and I'm going to say this to, I mean, and I'll be really honest with this. I did not feel ready going to that job. Mm. It was a great opportunity. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I did not feel ready. And I don't, it's hard. I mean, I don't know how a lot of coaches feel, but for me, for the most part, especially when I start off, I didn't feel ready. It was more about myself being self-critical and being like, fuck, I don't know this shit. Like, you, like I would contact you and stuff. Or even like when I was in Poland yeah. last year. Sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. The question that I'm asking, but I just needed like the, the second opinion to confirm it in my head that I was doing it right. Like, yeah, but you got it already. You knew it already. I, I sent you my call sheet and you're like, oh, you're fucking fine. You're like, this is better than mine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> True, man. I'm and like, damn, man, like, that's like, very well structured. I might somehow. But like Park, I remember Parker would motherfuck me for typos on, on, on the on the practice space, for example. Yeah. You know, he was like, he was like, he was just like making you right. And he, there, there's things that I did not figure out until a year, two, three years, like even now, where not that I was scared. It was more like I didn't want to let him down because I knew for him what it's like being a, J, a GA and working his way because he didn't baby me. Like a lot of European coaches get babied. Like he treated it like it was yeah. one. He had high expectations for me. He said, you are my guy. Like, and this is the thing, right? Like you talk about 
like we didn't have money in this. He would buy my own food for me when I was there in Kiel. So he took, awesome, I, you know, I wasn't getting paid shit, you know? Yeah. And just to have me there, because I was his guy and I spoke a little bit of German. Um, <laughs> but he, he helped me to a high standard. He said, this is what I expect from you. And he said, do yeah. not let me down. And he's a very close friend of mine. So that, but that was kind of the thing where you kind of talk about, like, it's like the structure. That is the biggest thing. Coach Holly said it yesterday on yesterday's show. It's like the structure is the biggest difference. You yeah. know, so people don't realize it is you either go 110% according to that structure and schedule or you're, yeah. you're not going to cut it because if you can't yeah. cut it in European football, if you can't, as a player, you can't, you can't accustom yourself and live by what coaches tell you um, what their expectations are. You can't even do it as a coach. Like you're, you're not going to yeah. make mistakes. There's no way, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree. The, the structure, it's like that, that's like going to UTEP. I mean, since I had my trips there and I volunteered there, I knew how they work. I knew like that we have to be on point with stuff. So that's, that's why I knew what I was throwing myself into practice-wise, but I did not know of preparation. So now, now you're talking about during the season, oh yeah, it's the dream to do football 24-7. Sure. Yeah. But if you're a GA and you still have to do your master's after you've been in the office from like 5.30, 5.45-ish until 9.10 till you finish the last breakdown of the day, still have to do a two, three hour like term paper shit. So that's like next level. How bad do you want it? And then finishing my story, what is the best first time I got motherfucked? I'm running on the field, no safeties. The second I realized that I love co the head coach, uh, Sean Kugler, amazing guy, And he looks like, or he was rated, um, voted in one of the top five coaches he won on your site in a brawl. So I don't, I don't know. I was like, um, what is, he was like, Frank, where are the motherfucking safeties? And he is on my face. And I felt so embarrassed. And then two players jogged on the field and were like, coach, we got you. And like, from that moment, I was on my shit. Because I felt pretty confident after camp, you know, and the offense coordinator back then, Brent Peace, um, I'm so thankful I had the chance to work for him because exactly what you said made me right. That's what um, Coach Parker said. He, he cursed me out as well when I fucked up the drawings and the scouting report. And it's like we're talking about this is the angle of a post he wants. I might head it like this, like little, a millimeter or two. He was like, the fuck, Frank. Yeah, you know, like what uh, Coach Frank explained. He he trolled the angle two millimeters wrong, flatter. You yeah. Know, and then I had to redo the whole shit. But I'm thankful for it because he taught me to be detailed. Yeah. And now, yes, we might think, oh, the drawing in the playbook, blah blah blah. But he just explained me that players will tell him. But in the playbook, it's like this. Yeah. So. He was hard on me, but at the same time, he invited me for pizza. You know, like I went over to his house and we were talking football, especially when I volunteered. He trusted me even um, also later on then with some quarterback stuff. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, so I think the biggest thing is when I went there, I thought I'd work pretty detailed, but I wasn't. I was okay, but I was not really working detailed. So I think this is the biggest thing that I took from my American experience, um, be detailed. Just know what you do and why you do it. And if you don't know why you do it, then rethink it. Just know for yourself. If it's the best way, I think that doesn't matter. 
because you will learn and grow as things happen, but just know why. Like, why do you run a post in that angle? Why not in a different angle? As an example. 100%, because that's the thing where I even try to teach my players. I'm like, you need to know why. Why are we running yeah. this play? Why, what is the difference in a two high or a one high look? What are we trying to do on this given play? Why is this guy on and this guy is not? And I quiz yeah. them on that. Even right now, right now with the whole lockdown, and, we not, and I have my online meetings with them and I quiz them. I ask them why. Because this is my opinion. As a coach, your players should be able to know why you are running certain concepts. Why? Yeah. Not just, oh, on a smash concept, I'm number one, I'm running a stick route or a replace route or whatever you're running or a spot route, however, however yeah. way you're running, right? But why? Why is it why? ran like that? They should know yeah. because if they don't know, they won't be successful. Yep. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. If they don't know why, then you did not a good job as a coach, I think. So like, at least that's how I try to. The, the very small, fine print, but they should know a basic why. Why are we running it like that? You yeah. know? Yeah. You know? But that, that's my biggest thing. Um, because they should be able to be what? Basically, essentially almost a mirror image of you. You know? Yeah. And that's also what essentially when you go into a program as a GA or an assistant, you want to be that for what? For the coordinator, for the head yeah. coach. And trickled all the way down to the players. Yeah, absolutely. Especially OC quarterback relation is so important. Like 2017 with the Dukes, Rick Webster is such a was such a good quarterback, but also a great person and a great mind. So, like I remember the one situation we I forgot the team we played. I'm not sure which one it was. It doesn't matter. So he audibled a route on the field, a skinny post to Lawrence Regler for a touchdown pass, and then. Like, that was his call. I had a different concept, but he saw whatever, I think the safety alignment, that's why he did that. It was a touchdown. And then I came off, he came off the field. I'm like, hey, fucking great job, man. Why did you do it? He told me that. Perfect. I'm happy. So I don't need to be that guru play caller guy. Like, if my players have a good idea and it works, great. If it doesn't, well, then we have an issue. But yeah. <laughs> No, that, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, but teaching them to be successful and think for themselves is important. And at the like same the quarterback OC relation. And the same thing as you expect as a coach, like going into whatever job, I mean, you expect also to be given that lenience, not as a coach, but also as a player to kind of like figure out things for yourself. The worst thing to do yeah. is to tell guys or like, as we just talked about, like Coach Vanner was talking about too, like you think, oh, they're going to teach you everything. You know, I remember like Keel, when I left Keel, I, to be honest, I couldn't regurgitate every small detail because it ran the air raid, you know, yeah. from, um, from back in the day with Oklahoma State with like um, Holgerson and all them. But I couldn't regurgitate everything. Now I can. But after that, yeah. first, well, no, you know, yeah. well, they're going to teach me everything. You don't have time. There is no time. Have time. Like, hey, Melee, you know, whatever it is on 92, it's like this, this and this and this. On our stick concept, it's like this, this. They don't have time for that. It's like they'll teach it to you quick. You get what you fucking can from it, you know. Yep. Hopefully, the players can run the gist of it. Because like when I was yeah. people, <laughs> taught me the system, and then players would come in because we did everything padded. We had yeah. no playbooks, no answer. The guys would come in, they would meet with me, and I would have to regurgitate the system to them. Wow. That pressure, man. I tell you, I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, I hope I explain this the right way, because then I'm. You know, yeah, yeah. it's the same way. Like you, you, it's actually good to have that freedom to make the mistakes. And this is the yeah. thing: I never took a motherfucking like personal. I'd always smirk when I got motherfucked. 
The German coaches yeah. could handle that. And Dan Dish, our DC, who came from North Carolina, um, he was there for like seven, five years or something, literally came straight to us. He was always like, why is Melee always smirking when he's getting motherfucked? <laughs> I was used to from college, you know? You play in the college system, you know, you're getting motherfucked. It's like, okay, there's something wrong. I need to fix it. It was never like, yeah. oh, shit, like, I, I fucked up. It's a personal. It was more like, I need, to, I, need, I need to kind of pick it up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to have to get used to be bulletproof. Like, I still think there should be a certain level of respect. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, if you can't handle at least getting yelled once in a while, then I think that's just the wrong, especially in the U.S., like, that's, that's the next level um, of getting yelled at sometimes. Like, sometimes I was like, did, did he really just say that? Like, <laughs> You're like, man, this, this is a different type of level of getting yelled at. This is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's for sure. Like, <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my pen can handle writing down these words. So yeah. No, but uh, but now talking in terms of like now you made the jump most recently to Japan, and we kind of talked about you know throughout the season, but you went to the other side of the football and made the jump to the Lexil Deers. Um, how was that experience? First of all, going to like you said, there it was structure, right? Structure, yeah. Everything was ran like a professional team essentially. Um, you could talk yeah. more, of course, further about how that was, but how was that experience going to now that situation where it's ran the way that we would expect as coaches for a program to be ran and practices and everything from the scheduling, and also now jumping to the defense side of the ball because you now got signed on as the defensive coordinator. Yeah. So, okay, to go back after my first season at UTEP in 2017, the whole staff got fired, the whole staff. After game three, the OC, then the head coach after game five, and after the season, the whole staff. Even me and Benjamin Hammer, the two German GAs on that UTEP team. And um, so that was a shock. I'm like, how can that happen? That's my dream. I'm supposed to be here. So how can I get fired? But Ben and I just decided to stick, stick around. And because we had to finish schoolwork anyways, so the new coaching staff came in. We helped them little things like with the copy machine code and and then finally they rehired us. So that was great. So then the new coaching staff came in, they moved me to the defense side of the ball because we were short on defense guys there. And I was like, heartbreaking. I'm an offense guy. How can I end up on defense? Whoa, slow down, cowboy. <laughs> Are you, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let, let me finish. Now I really love freaking defense. I love yeah. both. But back then it was freaking hard. So, and then I started with the D-line. I'm a quarterback coach. I was a quarterback guy. I'm like, how can, what, what, I cannot even watch Skelly because we do one-on-one -on -one pass rush. That's true. So, um, but I spent spring with the D-line, fall with the safeties, and did also special team. I was the special teams GA scout team there. Best experience ever because I learned the other side, first the line of scrimmage, then the backfield. We played the dime defense that Iowa State is running with three safeties that I haven't seen before. And I'm like, Damn it, that opens up the box, which it doesn't. Um, so overall, best thing that could happen to me. But then that season was over, and I'm like, okay, Frank, what's happening now? I applied for a one-year visa that I got. I had job interviews in Division three schools, D2 schools, but nobody wanted to hire me because I only are limited to a one-year visa. So I was like, okay, I'm not giving up. I applied in Canada. I applied in Japan. Turns out the Lixil Deers answered. 
Well, and what um, you me, um, how many letters did you send out? I mean, because you've done this and we talked about this. How many letters was it? You normally? I mean, Sebastian, you said 700, right? I, I yeah. beat you with that. It's it's literally, I'm not going to lie, like thousands. And really, like, like if I summarize all the letters that I sent from, don't let me lie, December 2017 when I got fired till February 2019 when I still was looking for a job, it were, it were a thousand for sure. Like, not exaggerating, just like constantly writing everybody. Some answered, but it was never really something in particular. So, but I still would do it again because if I would not have done it, I probably would think, oh, should I? I should have done it. But yeah. And so I send out, but to Japan, I send emails because I could not figure out, I barely could figure out the email address. Yeah, so thankfully, there's cool. Google Translate. So then the Elixir Deers called me for a job interview. And um, when they asked me for my strength, I said, well, obviously, it's offense and special teams. And they were like, but we need a defense coordinator. Can you do it? And I'm like, well, of course, because that's the answer you should give on an interview, right? Yes, of course, I can do it. And I will figure out the details later. So Absolutely. That's what, what, sorry for one second. That's what I always say to young guys, because we're also dealing with young kids. They probably have a job interview. I always yeah. go out, whatever they say. If you ride a horse, say yes, go home, Google how to ride a horse. You know? yeah, exactly. If you say once, no, it's always a no. I mean, make yep. it happen. If you want it, make it happen. It's a super big message I give always to kids. I mean, because... Perfect. Crying around everyone. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's perfect. You're, you're so right. And like, it's the same thing, what we all say, just get freaking out of your comfort zone because on the edge of your comfort zone is growth waiting. So how can you get better if you stay in this comfort zone, right? Um, yeah, so long story short, they flew me in for a weekend practice in Japan loved every second of it and um i did a good enough job so they hired me so that was the story how i got to japan <laughs> but how years you been then in japan how many days or years yeah how many years uh one season and i was there for eight months basically okay how was that experience how how would you compare first of all the practices how everything is ran because we've talked about it extensively and a lot of people don't know how well Japan is set up where I would say it's number three in the world. It's better than the GFL. And for the most part, there was a ranking sent out a while ago from AFI um, where they put those, those teams higher than let's say the New Yorkers in the halls. And there's a reason for that because those yep. teams are better, not only from yep. practice structure to the strength and conditioning aspect of it, to the commitment of the level um, of, um, that, that, that the players keep, for example, because they take this seriously. And I'm not saying that here guys don't take it seriously, but people still look at it over here in the GFL. Yes, it's the highest, the highest league in, the, in, in Europe, for example, but they still look at it as being, what, semi-pro. And in Japan, yeah. it's a different view, right? It, it's a different view. It's the, the same thing. Usually the Japanese players work full-time, but they call it professional football. So... First things first, when I got there, I did not know Japan has college football. They have college football and they have practice fields. They have little clubhouses. It's not like big, like Ole Miss or UTEP or US wise, but it's great. I freaking loved it. Like the clubhouse that we had with Lixil, it's not the nicest buildings, but it's our home field basically. Sure, we share with the rugby team, but just going there 
was beautiful. I enjoyed it. And then we have a practice field with lines, um, with original yard lines. So not like the four yards or five yards deal, where it's an 80 yard field. It's a whole football field. I loved it. And that turns out the more I learned about football in Japan, that's just normal for most of the teams. So I, I'm, I was very impressed by how they take things professionally. Let's say in the US, we always talk about be efficient, have short practices, blah, 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 blah. Same what we kind of try to do here. Well, the Japan work culture is insane. My players work from early morning to late at night, Monday to Friday. So Wednesday, we had a volunteer practice, but everything happens on the weekend. So Saturday morning lifting meetings, then we have practice and practice can be three and a half to four hours easily with a hardcore conditioning at the end. Um, meetings afterwards, oh, I forgot the volunteer walkthroughs that we had after practice. Um, and nobody is complaining, nobody. They just do it. And that is the number one thing I took from Japan. Just do it, don't freaking complain. And I don't know, they have so much respect, so much discipline. Um, sure, I neither would like to work that many hours in my regular job. Um, and then Sunday is half of the day is football as well. And um, since we work so much or they work so much, games were all every two weeks. And this is how it's structured there. And I loved it. I was really impressed. And I agree with you, after Northern America, um, Japan is right there. And sure, there are some teams, um, you have the top eight teams that would beat, in my opinion, every team in Europe. Um, and then you have the X1 is like the second division, basically. Um, and they're like the top teams there would also compete every, against every team in Europe. And I'm not like, I know some, some people might be butthurt of that, but Japan is better. Structure-wise, from the league, from the teams, how they are run, um, they are better. <laughs> so we better catch up. We kind of looked at where I remember like during the season, you sent me some cut-ups to look at um, from the defense side of the ball. And I remember the first cut-ups I pulled up, I looked and I was like, is this D1? Because I looked at the speed, the size of the players, I was very much impressed. Just, yeah. They look like Division One, D1, AA athletes. The way they're put together, the size, the speed, the way they move, the way they roll in the coverages, they disguise. This looks yeah. like ball in the States. That's what stood out. Yeah. To me. Yeah. yeah, they, they do things in college. They, sorry, what's that? Yeah, sorry, uh, is, it, is it also interesting for them to come to Hero or, or go to the States to play football for the kids there? Um, for some, it is. Um, but the Japanese culture is a lot of pride, a lot of like being proud of what they're doing. Like if you play work for that company, that's a really like proudful thing. So I'm pretty sure some players have the desire to go to the US, like the best Japanese running back Taku Lee from Obik Seagulls. He got invited to the Canadian Football League tryout, which has been canceled right now. Um, but like there are some really, really good players, like quick, tough don't complain. In my eight month there, I had not one situation where a player was complaining about anything. And if I would not have told him, hey, if you have any questions, if things are unclear, please ask me. So then after I did that, they told me some suggestions they had for certain pressures. But 
amazing. Amazing. And I'm not saying German or European guys are not disciplined. I'm yeah. not saying that. But you're, you're saying more as a whole. That's kind of what you kind of get at. It's more as a whole where you told me the business stuck out to me is like, what was it? What, when, when they walk out to practice before they step on the field, they cross that line with it, they bow. And before they get off, they bow because it's, it's respect. They have respect for the game. And that's also Before the game. Yep. not only the discipline, but the respect because, you know, this, this last year I was, I was in Paris helping out the, the, the CFL combine in Paris. And the big things we talked about, you know, behind closed door was like, we wanted to look at was with, with, the, with the head, um, with the head scout there and the CEO was how do these guys handle adversity during this test day? We don't want to look at how athletic we, there's a reason why they're invited. We want to look at, how do they handle, let's say, running a slow 40 and now on the next test that they got to do bench press? You know what I mean? That's the biggest thing yeah. scouts in the States want to look at. There's a reason why you're being looked at. It's the other yeah. attribute. It's the intangibles. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, if, if I just think about a one particular practice we had that was – I'm not exaggerating. It was a almost four-hour practice, um, like, with – 40 minutes individuals and then scout teams, everything, almost four hours. And then we had this hardcore conditioning at the end. And then on the final head coaches huddle on the field, the head coach was talking for 15 minutes. It literally got to a point where I was tired. And in my mind, I was like, man, okay, I hope we're done now soon. And then I was like looking around and everybody was like, like a soldier. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm paying attention if i would have pushed that slat that many times i would be dying like and i'm so thankful to have made that experience because if i would have ran that practice with the utep football team with any other european team i've been a part of the half of the team would freak out like or kill the coach or just yell or bitch around or yeah. crazy it's insane it's it's special so yeah, and um, but also the league works together. You know, as an example, since Tokyo, of course, has such a big like population, there is the Kawasaki Stadium, and you have three games on a Saturday and a Sunday in that stadium. The first game usually is at eleven. The second game, I think, at two, and the third game is at five, and that just works like continuously. Game done, boom, next team on the field, warm up, let's get rolling here. So I feel like that the X League is just doing also a great job in guiding teams, structuring things. So I think that's also a point where we can improve here. <laughs> what, what numbers of spectators you have there in, 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 in Japan? Is, it, is football a big thing? Is it TV? Is it, how that works? Um, so I know some, a lot of games are like streamed. So that's one thing. Um, I know that's happening here too in the GFL now since the last couple of years, but I feel like there's a better media presence like inside sports. Japan is doing John running a good friend of mine. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote you today. Yeah. Came out of this morning. Copyright. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you stealing pictures? Not me. I know that part. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I send it to you. It's my fault. <laughs> I'm it on the speaker then. <laughs> No, but I, I think generally there's such a good media presence. Um, I, I don't know, like, I wish we could implement, I wish there would be more exchange, like from federations, Europe Federation, maybe just call them and ask them, how do you think, do things? Like, just drop your ego and let's just push this great game forward. 
um, just stop being an ego-driven person. Like that's that's what in my mind right now. Um, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you say your experience in Japan was life-changing? Because I mean, we we share kind of the same mindset where it's like there's always a reason why things happen. For example, like the reason why, let's say, you couldn't stay in the states, then you made the jump to Japan and so forth. Like. I always look at life, it is a journey, and it's all in terms of the, the adversity and the obstacles that we face, because this is the thing, right? We're also teaching young men, not only young men, but guys that are even maybe dads, brothers, um, husbands, even little kids when we do with the youth, for example, because even with the Warriors for us, it was about changing lives every yeah. year, making that impact, because like now I'm recruiting guys that played for me when they were 14, 15, nice. they want to come play for me already. But nice. would you say that experience? Because I know you, I know you share the same mindset. Also, the the way the Japanese live and the culture. Because from what I saw and what you were posting on social media, I feel like it did have a huge impact and was life changing. Because the way you speak now and what you talk about is a little bit different than what you spoke about before. Also, the yoga. I, I, <laughs> oh, I was waiting until you say that. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I have my little gong here, my yoga gong, but we can talk about yoga in a second. I just want to hit it one more time. Um, <laughs> now, I, so these two years in the U.S., if you go to a U.S. football program and there were amazing people, there were some not so amazing people that don't treat you very nice. It does something to you. Either you break or you find a way to push through it. So since I always preach, never give up, I was really telling myself, am I quitting here now or do I push through it? I decided the second because I still love the game and I focused on the positive things instead of the negative things. So I already thought I'm a positive guy, but that made me even way more positive because now I know that even if I've been put in a shit situation, I can focus on the positive things pushed through. So going to Japan, I did not know that there is so less English been spoken. So you go to a different culture where little things like finding a freaking trash can freak you out because they don't have trash cans on the street. Really? So no, because you have supposed to carry your own trash bag home. They're such a clean country. And, but after eight months, I found some hidden trash cans where I could throw some stuff away <laughs> legally. Of course. Um, to a, where you cannot communicate the way you want to communicate out of my, like we had on the team 60 players. When I take my four American players away, there were maybe like, let's say eight or nine guys that speak decent English. So most of the guys don't speak English. They learned through the year, but you have to adopt. So my English was more like, okay, today, install, five men, pressure. That's how I spoke, you know, and and it was fun, like it was learning for me and for them. But also doing the defense coordinator position there, I, of course, I learned a lot from UTEP. Talking to you helped me. Talking to Johnny Brenner helped me a lot. Uh, Thomas Kessling, like, especially with Johnny Brenner, I talked so much with him. I'm so thankful for all the guys, Kevin Heron, that helped me, Eugene Kremser, with some ideas, defense mindset-wise, to get me going. Um, but that does something to you, too. So... I was at a point where I was like, am I really good enough to do this? Because I did not expect that level of Japan being that good, yeah. that honest. I was sitting in there for hours, really structuring things, coming from an offense mindset, special teams mindset, like 
we know what a cover two is, but how do you teach it? And how do you teach it if shit goes wrong? Like, what is your technique? Do you teach them the right eyes? Do you teach them the right techniques? So it was a big learning curve for me as well. Um, but the one thing I know, I'm willing to sit down, invest the time, and get it done. So um, what I figured out through that is it's okay if you don't know things, but then find a way to do it and get better and get to know it. It's okay if you fail. And it's also okay because my, my safety there, Max Look, who is an amazing player, he's an American guy, he had some suggestions for me coverage-wise, um, technique-wise for DBs. And sure, my ego told me, you're the coach, you should know everything better. Fuck no. If somebody comes up with an idea that is good and he has that experience, I would be very stupid to not listen to it. So I'm not afraid to say I don't know everything, but I'm willing to work to get there. So, and one thing I also figured out is, again, dropping the ego helps you achieve that. But just because all my Japanese players are really like crazy warriors that like fight until a little inch. They are also really like emotional, but they're not taught to let it out. Okay. So when we lost this game and we didn't make it to the championship game, that was a big moment. As you know, Samurais, they killed themselves when you failed. Thankfully, right. nobody expected seppuku from me. Um, but it felt like we failed big time, you know. But as we all know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, right? Or, well, we never lose a game. We just run out of time. But there are so many lessons to learn from that. Getting back up, surviving. How did they adapt to your personality? and the, 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 Because for me, what I've seen for you as a coach, I would describe you as a teacher, as a motivator. How did they adapt? Because I don't know what they had before or how their Japanese coaches are, but was there a difference, would you say? Did they tell you? They, they did because I, I, I did exit meetings with all of them. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> one of my backup corners, I never forget that. I was like, okay, um, I had a translator because otherwise I would not have been able to do that. And he said he did not really understand everything what I said to him the whole year. And I'm like, damn it, man. Why didn't you tell me? That? Like, that's probably why you're backup. So, but yeah, anyways. Um, no, they, they were happy because they told me they never had a positive guy who is not trying to simply yell at them. I'm like, you know me, I'm not a big yeller. I yell if we feel like we're lazy or if we don't take shit serious. This makes me angry. That's what really makes me pissed if I see somebody is not taking that serious. But they were really happy to have somebody to encourage them instead of just yell at them and put them on a bench because that's what they were used to from college. Um, and I don't know, I'm just trying to be a positive energy guy. And I feel like if you enjoy what you're doing, you can be better. So that's what I believe in. Did the, did the whole yoga, the whole yoga um, aspect of, did that come from Japan or is that something you've kind of picked up along the way to your new home in Ingolstadt again? Well, Ingolstadt is not a big yoga metropole, but um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is, I don't know but I wanted to do a yoga teacher training since five years at least since I discovered. Um, I had that slip back injury where I really had a bad back and I had a surgery. I barely could move and all that stuff. So then I learned secret stretching methods like the good old couch stretch or the hip flexor stretch can help you big time. Then I discovered yoga slowly, but because of football, I never had the time. 
So when I went to when I was in Japan, um, since I could structure my my whole day by myself, like just during the week, make my breakdowns whenever I want to, I dedicated a certain amount of time to for my personal development and growth, like spiritual, meditation, yoga, all that stuff, which helped me to be calm, way more calmer. Um, so then I tried to encourage my players to do some yoga stuff too back then. And after one practice, we had a weekend off. That was one of the rare weekends that we had off. I think it was the only one I said, okay, guys, just make sure you enjoy the next week, do some yoga, like spend some quality time, do some Kama Sutra, whatever. So everybody was <laughs> pausing. Here's the story. Everybody was just staring at me weird. And I'm like, Kama Sutra? You know, like, guys, you, they never heard of it. So I showed them like... I showed him like some uh, pictures that I found of what wow. that all is about. And um, then we installed a pressure that we called Kama Sutra so that I enforce they remember that. <laughs> That's why I did my yoga teacher training in, in February. And I think, I think everybody should at least, that's what Jason Witten said. That's why he's playing so long in the NFL because he did yoga in the off season. Okay. And it's great. So you're, you're doing this what every day? I do it now every day. Yeah. I mean, with, with the whole it, lockdown in, in Ingolstadt, how, how are you going about this? I saw some of the videos you said, and you're doing like, is that a park or where are you doing that at? Because you were waiting. Uh, of course, I'm practicing social distancing. Right. <laughs> well, so I go in the park by myself. It's in a forest where I live here close by, but I'm still in Augsburg. So. Yeah, in Königsbrunn, to be exact, it's precise. Right. And yeah, I go there at least every second day and uh, enjoy nature and uh, be present. Think about how I will attack the Ravensburg defense at some point, hopefully this year. And <laughs> well, we hopefully, yeah. Uh, hopefully. hopefully, yeah. No, but that's, that's like how we go about it. Um, I mean, I try to send some videos in our like group that we have and just make sure that we stay on point with the signals, with the play call that we installed before we went into this lockdown situation. So, but I think we're all in the same boat. So we just try to maintain things. And when we get green light that we are ready to, to hit the gas pedal and get rolling. So. Right. How are you? How are you guys right now handling that whole lockdown situation in Ingolstadt? And for you, especially as offensive coordinator, I mean, I don't know how many practices you got in essentially during this preseason time. But how are you kind of handling making sure your install is basically almost done? I know you got guys like Chris Forcier that's already there, so I, I would assume yeah. they're doing a good job of helping you out. Um, are you guys doing like weekly meetings, Zoom meetings? How's that going at least for you guys adapting to that situation and still trying to progress during this time? Yeah. So we, we started beginning January with every Saturday having practice. So that means we, when I, when I would say, no, we're, we're, we did a good amount of install, but of course we're not where we want to be obviously since we missed out for a month right now. Um, so Chris landed a day after uh, the United States shut down like the flights basically. I remember seeing so, that. And when, when I wanted to come over, um, when I wanted to go to their import house, like where they live in, and I wanted to like talk to him about things, well, they told us about the quarantine thing, so we're not allowed to leave. So, <laughs> so I installed or I uploaded some videos of play installs in our group. Um, last week I uploaded 
some installs about the dime defense, how I coached them in Japan, how we did it at UTEP, to give um, the guys an idea what they might see, because I feel like that more and more teams will at least throw in this three safety defense against all these spread offense stuff. Yeah. Like that's the new answer, right? So I felt like it's, it. sorry, what's that? Resident New Yorker doing it. I've seen that from last year. Yeah, Friedrich Hall is playing that as well. Um, I, I think there was another team. I think Dres yeah, Dresden is playing that as well Resident from time to time. And I, I think it's smart to do it because it gives you an extra safety in the middle. Well, you always say middle of the field open or closed, right? So what is it with three safeties? Okay, middle of the field is closed technically, but damn it, there's still the two other safeties. So I just thought it's a good idea to... What I figured in Japan, I explained my defense guys things out of an offense perspective. Little things like if the quarterback looks to the left side first, he's might not coming back. Like the left side is not there, he goes to the right side. Usually he's not coming back to the left side again. Like little things like that. Of course, there are multiple ways to do things. Um, but so I thought it's a good way to do that here as well, teach some defense stuff so to get a better understanding. So I did not have any specific Zoom meetings yet, but depending on how things will continue, we might start doing that as well. So far, I'm just uploading some videos there. But I think it's a great idea if you have specific Zoom meetings or what you said before you quiz the guys. So, yeah, I think it's great that you do that. Sebastian, you got some? Yeah, I think that's what that's what we do. Uh, what we do too. Uh, how, how it looks for you now, new offense coordinator and new quarterback. How much time you think you'd need from lockdown is over to the first game? We talked yesterday with coach. Um, yeah. Like four weeks, five weeks, but we all know. On one point, we need to stop because we need to make games. So how yeah. long you say it's it's for the Dukes right now if you can answer for the Dukes. For the Dukes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would say from my feeling point, six weeks with two weekends where we can have mini camps. That would be, I think, a decent amount of time to still be really game day ready. But the, the question I always have is like, okay, so now we get out of the quarantine I'm not babysitting my guys. I just trust them that they stay in shape and do what they have to do with the limitations that they have. Thankfully, we're still allowed to go outside and, and do things there. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope they are in a good shape. I'm not saying in the best shape they can be or should be, but just in a good shape. So, but I think for my first, from if we get now to know on April 20th, okay, we, we're ready to go then I would really make sure that the first two weeks we do a lot of running, we do a lot of like conditioning, especially get the timing with the quarterback and the receivers. Like yeah. they, they never like, you know, damn it. <laughs> let, let me put that back. I need three months. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what we say to all guys too. I say, so as soon as we hit the field again, we will make two minute drills, red zone, all this stuff. We, yeah, we did also install a lot of stuff, but Coach Mello with offense, he had one practice and then was locked down. Mm -hmm. Wow. Why are we making all of, all Zoom meetings yeah. right now? I say, you know the stuff on paper, and I expect you to be in shape. I say, yeah. 
simple like it is, if you're not in shape, you can't be the team captain of Starbo for the last years, you will not play this year. Because yeah. you need to find this 11, 15, 18 guys offense, 11, 15, 18 on defense, who is in shape because yeah. facing the same. But this is yeah. Side. So message out to all players, stay in shape, do something. Nothing stupid, no big groups, but also O-liner. You can go jogging, do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah do something. There's so many YouTube, like you can watch random hit workouts, like just get something going. Yeah. A message to the Ravensburg Razorback defense players, just chill, eat as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we have a 5-2, five, five, cover zero defense. It's real good, you know. Ah, oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, uh, that's one of those things where it's like during this, during this period, I mean, as long as you're doing bodyweight workouts, you're doing some sort of explosive stuff like jumping, broad jumps, vertical yeah. jumps, you'll be able to keep your gain. That's what guys understand. You don't need weights. You know, yeah. it's also a good thing for your body if you've been taking that toll for the last few years, especially with how long the GFL season is and the off season yeah. is short. It's actually not bad to have some now bodyweight workouts. You work, what, time under tension now. It all, it's all yeah. to do with concentric, eccentric load, and you're going to get more out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, and also, to be honest, that's the other thing, like nutrition. If you're eating well, because this thing, like, that's the, how do you get fat? Well, you're just eating, not working out. <laughs> that's what's happening over here on my side. It's very tough. Yeah. Um, well, you're, you're coaching right now, so and you have a mustache. So, you oh, know, it's, like, it's horrible now. Like, it's just the weight gain is inevitable. You know, I, I look at like the stories from like Chris Forcier, your quarterback. He's out here making these delicious five-star meals at his house. I'm like, what is that? It's like it's like a cookout every day over there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Man, on my first camp at UTEP, we had like four meals a day. So after like four or five days, I was really getting fat, and I was like, damn it, I have to at least skip the midnight meal. You know? So. <laughs> American food. It happens fast. American food likes you. That's uh, <laughs> but uh, talking about uh, per se, what you're looking on a quarterback, you're the uh, offense coordinator, you're scouting a quarterback to bring him to a now European football. What are you looking on? Well, how you scout, what kind of personality, football wise, everything? I, I love that question. So, on the AFCA convention, I had a conversation with some quarterback guys. Um, Steve Calhoun, Armed and Dangerous, was there. And uh, we were talking about what are the top three things you look at in a quarterback. And, like, there are so many things you can mention. And one guy said, well, of course, he should throw accurate. Like, sure, we all agree. He would like an accurate thrower, but you still can throw an accurate interception, right? So that's why decision-making is, to me, the number one thing. So that's pretty bad to really scout. Like, sure, in a highlight tape, you should only see the good throws. So before I scout a quarterback, I would love to see a whole game so I can get an idea. I can watch the concept, what they were running, and maybe get an idea what his mind was, like his mindset was. So obviously, the throwing part should be, he should be a good thrower. And I'm not saying he has to have like the laser arm or needs to throw a 70, 80 yard bomb, but he should be a good thrower with good velocity behind the ball and make any kind of throws like the comeback, then the vertical route, but also complete a bubble, not too hard, but in a good velocity throw. So that's, of course, the number one thing I look at. How is he throwing the football? Um, 
then depending on what is your system, if you want to be an option kind of system, zone read guy, well, you need a runner. I like my quarterbacks to be a pocket passer, but be as well able to run the football. That's my thinking, what I would like to have. I love the quarterback run game. I implement that, but I don't want it to be my main part of the offense because there's a reason why he's the quarterback. He should throw. So now if he gets hurt, how good is your backup? <laughs> so that's my number one criteria. If you have now two, three guys that are all the same, or you just want to build like an offense around it, great. But with Chris, we are in the situation that he's an amazing runner. Um, so that, that's very good. Um, we also um, have an American quarterback. He was with Würzburg last year, I believe. Terrence is his name. And um, he was here now with us during the off season. So that's really good. He's also a very athletic guy. Enjoyed working with him. So I know with these two guys, I have two quarterbacks that are athletic. And I also think, I mean, don't, don't put me now on my pistol on my head, but during a game, how often does a quarterback scramble? Like five, six times, usually if it's a regular game. So now if you are one quarterback team and he scrambles like the four or five times, that number goes up really quick. So I just try to train like a pocket passer. And then when he takes off and makes some yardage, I'm happy. But of course, I love a speed option here. I love a quarterback ISO, quarterback draw. That are things I would love to see in a quarterback to be able to do it. So that being said, um, of course, I like to look at his stats. Did he start every game? because that teaches me some toughness and that he has a good health, basically. Of course, stuff can happen all the time. But then when I talk to him, I just want a good guy. You, you know, I, I don't want an ego-driven person. Like everybody has ego because we all want to be the best in what we do. That's why we participate in sports as well. But if I feel like he's an ego guy with little comments like, when I ask him, hey, why did you make that throw? Or what was your worst game and why? And he blames other people. I'm probably not going to try to bring him over. Yeah, we, Like what Urban Mayer says in his book, BCD, blame, complain, defend. Mm -hmm. I don't want a guy that blames somebody or something. I don't want a guy that complains about shit. And I don't want a guy when I tell him, hey, you should have thrown it there. And then it's like defending himself. Just I don't ask questions if I coach you. And it's not criticizing, it's coaching. So accept it and let's make the best out of it. If something is unclear, then ask me later. So that's kind of like what I try to get out. So And you, you can't, because in Hero, there's also some different philosophies. Like you're looking also about schools, Division Two, Division Three, Division One quarterback. Is it for you important that he played outside of the States before? How, how is that for you? I think it would be great um, if he had already experience because then he, especially kids coming from a D1 program, you know, there's nobody telling you when to get up in the morning, when, when, how you have to lift your weights or how to brush your teeth or like you will not get just free food everywhere. You might have to cook on your own. Um, I'm not saying everybody's spoiled like that, but what I've seen there, some kids are pretty spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there might not be 30, 50,000 viewers in the stands. Um, there might be 500, 2,000, or I don't know, maybe 2,000 in bigger stadiums or Frankfurt, Schwäbisch Hall, I think, like Braunschweig. But they just have to understand that they become a leader here. 
So you're not just one of the guys anymore. You are the guy. And it doesn't matter if you're a quarterback, if you're the import linebacker, you're the guy. Everybody will look up to you what you're doing. So if you act like a complaining little whatever, that's a problem. So step it up. And that's kind of like the message I want to get across. And um, so I really don't care where they're from. In, in Japan, it's big time that they have big time schools. Our offense line guy, Ian Parks, fought with the Eagles in practice camp. So that was big time. Our safety, Max Look, is a Division three guy from Pacific University who is, in my opinion, a guy who could have played D1 as well, but because he was D3, he did not get like the same attention and everything. And that's super sad because he's a good player, smart guy, made it into the all X1 area league team and did not get the respect for that, which I think is pretty sad. So I would take this guy before any other guy because I know him, I know how he works and I know what he can do. 100% because it, it, it ties in and this is the biggest thing that, and I even say, I mean, not only in the States, but it's huge out here in Europe. Coaches overlook the intangibles. Like for me, and I even, you know, so when I went to the office side of the ball, I asked some questions like, what, what do you ask when you interview quarterbacks? And I kind of took that and then made my own little, little version of it. But I want to see the intangibles. Like you said, like, is he blaming other people? I want to know what is the big adversity he's facing in his life. I don't care about football. There's a reason yeah. why we're scouting you. I've seen yeah. hey, you can play. You know, yeah. I'm going to talk to your coaches. I'm going to talk to your OC back in college. I'm going to talk to the header. If I know any yeah. players, like if you played in Europe, I'm going to talk to everybody. Because yeah. a lot of teams don't do that. And we talked to Holly about even yesterday. I was like, a lot of teams, they don't do their homework. I'm like, I want to know the off-field stuff. And yeah. to be honest, if it's something little where you got caught maybe pot smoking one time, I'm not going to give you crap. That's not a knock on me. I'll probably see what was yeah. the situation, what happened. Do we have to kind of, is that going to be an issue? You know, yeah. like at the end of the day, like if you're doing something like that behind closed doors, I better not know. You better pass exactly. that P-test if it comes around. I don't want to know that you shit. Yeah. pass that P-test. I don't want to be yeah. surprised. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's the intangibles for me because I want to know, are you a leader? I do not want to yep. call that. And, and it's a thing like, like you kind of said, they are going to look at you as being that guy because you have an A. What I also emphasize to my offense, let's say, he does not wear a Superman cape. Yeah. I learned that from Jordan Newman when recruiting my guys and also with my offense. I'm like, just because we got a really good player who could technically carry the whole load on his shoulders, he could do it all, like my guy last year in Virginia um, um, from Auburn. But I want you guys to play better. Yeah. You know? If he is a little vocal, that's fine. You know, I don't expect him to be like a leader and you have to take the reins because this is a thing, right? We overlook this, especially in Europe. People don't really look at this. It's like you can't expect a kid, come. doesn't matter what program he's at, coming from the stage and say, oh, you have to run the show just because, yeah. hey, that's too much yeah. pressure. You have to allow him to what? Find himself, be comfortable, you know? Yes. Then if he wants to, he does that. It's like, yeah. us, it's like even us when they bring us as coaches into a program. You can't expect us from day one to walk into a situation and you run practice now. Yeah. Or as a head coach, yeah. for example. It's not yeah. the right way to do it. Like I had that in Gardenia and it's going to be a whirlwind day one because you don't have time to acclimate, see how the guys are. You just got to run the shit. You can't yeah. expect yeah. every single, every single import, especially QB, you can't expect him to run the shit from day one. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Maybe you get a guy That's that a can do pressure. it, but I couldn't do that for myself as an OC. I want him to find himself and trust the rest of the guys, team building, all that. Yeah. 
and like also for them, I think that's something that we might don't understand or, or maybe coaches that don't know the process in the US that like these guys come from an environment where football is everything. Every freaking neighbor knows football, um, like not everyone, but most of the people. And now they come to a program where you practice two or three times a week. Um, they're not used to not everybody being at practice. They're not used to like that their practice gear gets washed and dried for them. So if they fresh out of college, there's a lot of things they have to get used to as well. So there's a lot into it from the perspective, right? Both sides. Um, so I think we need to make sure they know that. But exactly what you said, make them aware of that you will be the leader in this thing. And quarterback-wise, I just love to tell my QBs, just make a decision. So like Bill Purcell said, it's better to decide uh, wrongly than weakly, because if you decide weak, you will be wrong anyways, or more likely. So what I mean by that is like, and as a quarterback myself, I made some throws that I never should have made because I was not sure. So I decided it half ass kind of like, I was like, and then I threw it. And then <laughs> most of the time it, it ended up not good. So <laughs> One game I had freaking five picks, and I think three Christoph Wiener caught them. So that was one of my worst games ever, and I was totally out. But yeah, thanks, Reno, for that one. Um, but make a decision and go with it. If it's wrong, we will figure it out. But be a guy that steps up for what you do. Be accountable and don't BCD your way out of shit. So yeah, <laughs> I hope that answers the quarterback question. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. Now we want to hit to the NFL. Well, no, I was going to tie that in. I know Sebastian. He's he's so. This is the thing, right? You got a defensive guy right here with Coach Sebastian. Yeah. He's he loves quarterbacks. And from oh. when you said you you're, you're, you're a guru, right? <laughs> I like I like to talk about the, the 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 quarterback topic, of course, about NFL and and college, all that all that stuff, because I think. This year in the NFL can be the biggest quarterback change since 10 years. We're having like 11 teams with new or different starting quarterbacks. 11 teams with new. I think two years ago we had this new head coaches circle. Yeah. Now we're having new quarterbacks. And I like to talk you my list, my singing, and then we, we're coming up. Of course, we have Tom Brady go to the Bucks, Philip Rivers to the Colts. For me, one of the best quarterbacks, if he not get injured, Teddy Bridgewater to the Carolina Panthers. Right. He has yeah. getting injured, but he is a great guy. Case Keenan to the Browns. I mean, they have shit Baker Mayfield. Now they have shit um, <laughs> Case Keenan. <laughs> Browns. To the one of the best guys, Marius Mariota. And I'm telling you guys, he will be a starter because we all know Gruden hates Carl. Marius Mariota will start for the Raiders. <laughs> what are the New England Patriots doing? They're getting Brian Hoyle back. Is he just a backup? He knows the system. We don't know. And Nick falls to the Bears. I think so. He will be a starter without any question. So now we have free agency. Joe Flacco, Newman. Um, Winston and uh, I put. Uh, uh, who, who's Newman? 
Newton. You mean Newton, yeah, right? Newton. Newton. I'm like, is, Jordan, is Jordan Newman making his comeback as a quarterback? Yeah. I was about to say, I'm like, is that Terrence Newman, Cowboys? No. That, that's breaking news, man. Breaking news here. So. And of course, we get Winston. I also put Ballers on the list, but he's all this on four guys, free agent. And I don't understand why everyone is uh, Hill. The quarterback from the from the um, New Orleans Saints slash oh. right receiver tight end defense and holder. <laughs> I I I pissed off because defense holder. <laughs> hey, let's talk. Hey, Drew Brees get injured. Bridgewater stepped up, win the games. Hill yeah. run the ball in the end zone from the five yard line two times, and everyone talks about he should replace Drew Brees. Are you serious out there? I don't, I, I, I don't know. And then teams without a quarterback, Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, the Chargers, the Jaguars, and now we come to the draft, the Bengals, Andy Dalton, Bengals first overall, whoever that draft, still Andy Dalton as a backup. I think he would move. What comes in, I think the best quarterback in the draft is Justin Herbert what? from Oregon. No. He's inconsistent. He is over a long time. He's an NFL quarterback. No, he's not. He's fucking professor. <laughs> it doesn't intangibles. He's not a leader. He's like Mariota. He sits in the corner of the locker room. He's no. too quiet. He's uh, a leader, a vocal guy. I, I, I go I go with I go with Herbert. I feel like you guys had a long fight about that topic before. Oh, like you're really yeah. emotional about that. I'm number two. <laughs> Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. I think he's a great quarterback. You're insane. He's a good yep. quarterback. On number three, I go with LSU. Oh, it hurts in my heart. <laughs> LSU guy. We call him Joe. He don't deserve to have the whole name. And on number four, nobody talks about him, but I have to research yesterday. He is draft eligible. Kelly Bryant from Misu, and everyone forgot he was he, he was bring up Clemson a big time. That he transferred mm-hmm. to Misu. I think he's good and a five. Uh, Tua, but I think Tua with his injury, I don't know if NFL people like that. That's outrageous. So that is my top five quarterbacks. And please, everyone in the comment. Uh, post, He's about to get torched. Post your five, <laughs> your five quarterbacks. I don't know about you guys. How you see the oh, draft? God. Who's going on? I'm- I mean, first of all, I think you're pretty brave on just throwing it out there. So if you get ripped, I'm not participating. I'm just here. <laughs> I mean, okay, fair enough. I did not watch too much NFL and college football last season. So just the naked truth. Um, so, but like things like that, Tom Brady is going away from his team where he's been 20 years and half of his time he has been in uh, Super Bowls is to me like the same situation with the 49ers leaving, letting Joe Montana go back then, you know, so I mean, I'm pretty sure there are reasons um, because that's the one thing I admire about the Patriots organization. They just seems to make the decisions in the best interest for them. Well, and you can't deny it since they have been in Super Bowls of the half of the least couple of years last couple of years so but that being said i don't know i i still think he can compete on a very high level and i felt like since 
the quarterback guys like Lamar Jackson were dominating the league with their playing style, maybe that's somebody the Patriots are looking for right now who can also catch or get some first downs with his legs. Because we know, as out of the defense perspective, that freaking quarterback scramble is just annoying as shit. Like, you make a good coverage, you might even do a good job in containing, he breaks loose and gets a first down or extends the play. So maybe that's something they want to implement a little bit more. That was my thing. I think the Patriots trading up to getting uh, the quarterback you talk fits perfectly Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. That's and what I would... Way back in the draft. They're way back. I mean, they need to, I mean, put Edelman out there to trade on number two or three. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can definitely see them picking up, because of the thing, right? This is, a, this is a now a new age in the NFL, and the, the new hot quarterback is a mobile type of guy, yeah. dynamic guy. They're now looking at that, that Michael Vick prototype from back in the day. That's now yeah. what teams are looking at. Because they're not asking for a true guy who can run, but like you're, talking, you're kind of talking about it. It's like you want a guy, if shit happens, can you escape pressure? Can you make something yes. happen? Because at the end of the exactly. day, like, you, it's, it may not end up being the way that you called it and you want it to be ran, but, hey, we get 10 yards, I'm taking it. You know? I take it. Hey, great take creativity, it. you made it work, elusiveness. And that's kind yeah. of the thing. In my opinion, not that I know if they're going to do it, I think it would be in the best – in, in their best interest to trade up or pick up a guy like, like Newton. The only issue is he's been injury riddled. So I don't know how yeah. he goes into it and all that. And, and I just wonder if you get Bridgewater and you let Newton go. So both are mobile guys. So I'm pretty sure there were some things behind the scenes that you never get to know. Right. So and, and that's, that's the big thing you look at in the draft because it's like kind of, you're talking about a Herbert and I mean, he has all the tangibles, right. But what do scouts look at? And they make this a number one priority. It doesn't matter how good they are. It's all the stuff yeah. that goes in, in behind the scenes, the intangibles, like the wonder lick, right? When you're going through player interviews, because this is a thing, right? And that's the whole talk on Justin Herbert, why he's not ranked higher. It's he's not a leader in the locker room. He's not a yeah. leader. And this is the thing. You can do it in college. You can do it in high school, right? And in high school, he was injured, broke his femur, came back, did a decent career. Don't get me wrong. So he is a fighter in terms of that. but in the NFL, you need a guy that what? You don't need to be a rah-rah guy, but you have to be vocal. You need to be a leader. He's not that guy. Yeah. And how do you expect yeah. a guy like that to be successful in the NFL? Are, are, are you, are you going to put that leadership quality on an offensive lineman or running back to, to lead your offense? Or do you need your quarterback in a critical situation to basically get your guys going? That's yeah. the one thing. Yeah. He has a tangent, yeah. but he's not a leader. He's the guy that sits in the locker room and everybody says it in a corner and he's quiet. But I, I don't want that as my quarterback. I'm sorry. But yeah. We have to say, Herbert plays at Oregon for in four years for three different head coaches. Who cares? I mean, <laughs> you can't talk. That don't make it easier. That don't make it easier. Otherwise, the favorite knowing for steals in the trap, they're taking a sleeper. I call it a sleeper like Joe Love from Utah State. I like him. Or bringing the next Tom Brady, James Morgan, FIU, like a guy nobody has on the list. Or Jay Gloten from Oregon State. I talked with him to uh, get him over here to Europe, and he says, no, the, my last year worked out pretty well for Oregon State. I'm, I, I will stay for the draft. Is he a guy who, who probably says, I don't know, is a guy who, who can surprise everyone because we know all whatever Bilicek is 
touching on it turns into gold so far. Yeah. So that is yeah, that, that's what I meant. Like they just make good decisions. Like, and um, if, if you just think, I mean, if you just think about how many different players the Patriots had in these past two decades and they were able to compete every freaking year, that's crazy. Like the receiver core, like, I don't know, I've been two times where Randy Moss was in there back in the days, Dion Branch. I think Dion Branch was his name. And now, of course, with Edelman and Amendola, like two, two little guys, you know, but balling out right there. I, I, I just love what they do there. Yeah. Um, or Wes Welker before, like, you know. And so I'm pretty sure they will find. Wes Welker opened up the door for, for all the elements and, and yep. he was the first one who takes yeah. a, con a concussion before a, a paycheck. He runs in yeah. the middle of the But would you say, you say the Bengals stay first overall with a quarterback or they were drafted away? I, I would say they get with a QB. That's what I think they will. Yeah. But when, what happened with Andy? You think Andy Dalton? Is it a situation like the Chiefs, Mahomes, Alex Smith, one year learning? Yeah. Or yeah. you think that he will? I mean, is Andy Dalton a guy like it? I mean, if Andy Dalton get a call from the Patriots, I mean, why not? Well, I think everybody would follow that. Um, yeah. But I, if, if you like, that's the biggest question, right? Do you throw in your rookie quarterback? to get him playing time, but maybe make him like banged up mentally because he might suck. Yeah. But like, if you, if you think about Dan Marino, who got thrown in from the, from the Gego, like, and um, Peyton Manning as well. And Peyton Manning is still waiting for a rookie quarterback to break his interception record. Right. But they yeah. both turned out to be one of the best quarterbacks ever. So I think um, it's good to have a veteran quarterback like Andy Dalton is clearly a great quarterback and has a lot of experience and get a rookie in there and then maybe make it a competition and like really handle it business-wise, you know, and just, hey, you were our starter the last years, but well, it's a business. So okay. how tough are you mentally like these little things, you know? And 100% because at the next level, it's not just going to be handed to you, right? You're going to face some adversity. And to be honest, exactly. So good to like we kind of talk about bring him in. We don't have high expectations from day one. We expect you to show up to work, get better, especially now what you're dealing with defenses that are more what more dynamic, more complex at the next level. They're faster. That's the biggest yeah. thing, right? I mean, for the most part, teams look at what number one thing the transition from college to NFL is do you have a quick release? Can you get the ball out? Yeah. Before? Right, yeah. that's kind of the number one thing aspect of it. Another aspect is, can you read defenses? Like for Dak, you know, that was a yeah. big thing not going to year two because he wasn't the best at reading defenses and he had to pick it up because they already knew what he brought to the table after year one. They're like, okay, he's more dynamic. He's basically like a big fullback at quarterback, has that, that, that little bit of size to him so he can take the punishment when he runs. But now yeah. he's going to challenge you because DCs know what you can and cannot do. So it's yeah. like if they do go with Burrow, because that's what basically everybody's talking about. You know, everybody's um, tied up with Burrow because of the whole Tua injury situation. If Tua hadn't gotten injured, he would be going number one off the bat. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, if they're looking at bringing in Burrow, that gives him a great opportunity now to sit there, learn, get better, and then slowly get more experience now at the NFL level. Because, I, I mean, that kind of – like we're talking about, I wouldn't feel comfortable throwing a guy in under the fire unless we had pieces around it, unless his whole line yeah. – is legit. We got a really good running back and we got at least two dogs at receivers. If yeah. we don't have talent and you throw them in day one, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. 
on <laughs> And he just yeah. had a good year at LSU. Yeah. I mean, he had an outstanding year, but just one. And, and there's yeah. still a lot of questions with him because it's a thing, right? Not, not that his his arm strength is in question, but it's still kind of like that's waiting to be confirmed because it's a thing. He didn't have burners, like really fast receivers at LSU. They had decent mm-hmm. speed. Okay. And then like for the Peterson, whatever his name is, tested decently um, at the combine. But for the most part, you saw him, what, lob ball up, lob balls up in the air and he had jumpers for receivers. They made shit happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He's saying like he doesn't have the arm strength, but there's still some things to be confirmed with him. Is yeah. he a player? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, he had yeah. an amazing year. Yeah. I, I was sitting in the GA office at UTEP with scouts coming in while I was doing my breakdown stuff. Um, and then I was talking to them for a little bit, like when they scouted uh, Will Hernandez, who is now with the Giants, or Nick Needham, who's corner for the Dolphins. Um, and I just kind of like asked them things, what they're looking at specifically, you know. And they were just also looking at what's happening in a play. Let's say he throw the ball, like on the defense standpoint, what is he doing when the ball goes the other way? Is he slacking off or is he hustling? So I can imagine that they go back to his games and just see what is he doing, like maybe after a bad play, did he try to, after an interception. And I remember that one play that I saw where he got knocked the shit out after he tried to make the tackle after I pick, I think. But then he came back and won that game because his mindset was like, well, I got the shit kicked out of me, but I got back on my feet and finished it strong. So I think that are things that might can give him the edge, especially in the eyes of coaches that want to see how are you mentally and not just like look at how many percentage completion or like, you know, how many conversions you have on third down and stuff, which is all important. It, so it brings in a lot. I think Joe Burrow will go up. Yeah. You think, you think, you think Tua will get a shot at number two? You think he's the second guy off the board, even though everybody – this is the thing, right? Everybody was yeah. all about him, and I still love him. I would give him a shot. But everybody was all yeah. about him, the whole country, literally the whole world, and then he got hurt, and everybody's like, oh, he's done. It's like, well, that kid is a legit player at the quarterback position. Yeah, I agree. Really, really good. He's a leader. He has fought through adversity. You know, he, yeah. he put what hurts a starting job and didn't give it back. Yeah. Basically, he had to be carried off the field to give him a shot that second year when Herbert was a backup. Or not Herbert, sorry, um, um, Hurts. Um, but he has all the tangibles as a quarterback. Yeah. Well, like he has a strong arm. He has really good precision, you know, and this is the thing. He is what? He's a dog at the quarterback. Yeah. He needs that. I like, he, here's my, my generally thought about the draft. I love it. And there's so much hype out there. And I just want to call out Nick Needham right now. Um, the corner for the Dolphins who was outstanding at UTEP. Uh, for several years, had the most pass breakups, had a draft invite, did not get drafted, made it still into the roster of the Dolphins, and during the year became the starting corner for the Miami Dolphins. But nobody was like, hey, I really like what he did, maybe because we had a shitty record at UTEP, mm-hmm. but he was not really on the radar. Like, And now he became the starter of the Dolphins and made amazing plays. So this is why I'm very careful when I talk about the draft. <laughs> because you have like these guys that had the amazing numbers, but who knows? Maybe there's another Tom Brady waiting in the sixth round with the 199th pick. And um, like, I'm, I'm just excited about that, but I agree like with these top dogs, I think they have the tools to play, 
but what is the grit that they really have to compete against the best of the best? Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I mean, I just can't imagine how it must be if you play against like top dogs, like Tripola, Malu, Ray Lewis, you know, like these kind of guys. So what are you made of right now? Right. Are you now a Peyton Manning guy that steps it up, a Tom Brady guy that steps it up? Or, yeah, are you not? <laughs> You think with all these great quarterbacks in the draft, whoever you want to count, number one, number two, you think the free agents have a chance? Flacco, Winston, Borders, will we see these guys back? Or it's just there's so many young talent, let's, let's take with them. I, I'm pretty sure that there's a balance. I think... I think if you draft a rookie quarterback, it's good to also have like a veteran guy, like we discussed before. But I feel like Cam Newton will be on fire because he might have something to prove. Um, if you're the number one pick from your team and they let you go after a couple of years, it's kind of like, thank you, but bye. <laughs> so where, where I just know that I would. Newton? Which team you think? I mean, his head coach is going to Washington and they don't pick him up. The guy who's yeah. the best, not even him, pick him up. Tells you something, huh? <laughs> Maybe whatever happens. What is your favorite NFL team? So I grew up as a 49er fan. I like um, Yeah. <laughs> But because I'm now, I think I, I just love the Bill Walsh area because he just revol revolutionized the game. Um, I love that they had Joe Montana, pocket, pocket passer, then Steve Young, the scrambling guy, came in. Um, I'm a huge Bill Belichick fan. I just love what he creates there every year. And now who is it? Is it Belichick? Is it Brady? I just say it's the combination. It's never one person. Mm -hmm. It's never one thing. It's the combination. Maybe the freaking wide receiver coach is just a genius. You know, who knows? Um, so if you ask me what is my favorite team, I mean – I love the Patriots um, with uh, Brady and Belichick. I still love Belichick, so um, damn it. I think I just go with the 49ers. Go Mark Nizocha. <laughs> you know, fun fact, Mark Nizocha was my third string quarterback with the Bavarian Warriors in 2006. And I don't know, I have nothing to do that he's now an NFL linebacker. Maybe I coached him out of the quarterback position, so I would have something to do with it. But it's just, yeah. just funny. Yeah. Did you <laughs> cut him? What's that? You cut him or you made the final cut? No, we, we, we uh, brought him to Berlin. Okay. Look for something. Of course not. I saw his raw talent. I knew that he's got to play for it. I saw from the beginning. Did you do the speech like look for something else in your life yeah. to, to make money? Yeah. No. What, what's that? Sorry. Do something else, football is not work out for you or? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> no. I, I love coaching, so that's why I'm trying to do the yoga stuff and everything, so I'll get rolling there too. Right. Um, so, I mean, I know you're, you're probably 100%, you're probably like me, you're not a plan guy. Um, but what are you thinking about longevity? Are you you're just going to see where, where the wind takes you? You're going to sell here in Europe, maybe make the jump back to the States or something? Or what are you possibly thinking right now? Are you not really thinking? That's a, freaking, that's a great question. I When I left Germany, I was so driven 
like my dream is to become a pro coach and um, I never thought that my dream come true, become a pro coach in Japan. <laughs> I always thought it's going to end up with an NFL logo on my chest. <laughs> but, and this is what I want to say to all these guys that try to make it there coming from Europe. It's such a harsh business. Like every American coach knows it. Hire and fire is real shit. Like um, I've talked to coaches that have been moving at least 10 times with their families all over the country. You can get fired any given moment. You piss off the wrong guy, you get fired. You make one stupid move, you get fired. Like you never know. It's a beautiful profession. Coaching football 24 seven is amazing. I loved it. I'm thankful. But when you get fired, it sucks, especially the visa situation is tough. Sebastian, you know that really well, like becoming, getting a visa in the US as a European guy is freaking horrible, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think chase whatever you want to chase, but I found my peace because to me, it was successful, my mission going to the US, chasing my dream. Um, so that was good and I'm thankful for that. Um, so I'm trying to see where the wind gets me. If I, I, I still apply for jobs, so I still send out letters. <laughs> and since management's not listening to this, what, uh, the management. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'm, I'm that honest about things. Yeah. I love it here right now. I love it with the Dukes. That's great. Um, however, if I would get the chance to still for success, my dream becoming a part of an NFL organization, that's what I would do. So I just enjoy what I'm doing, where I am right now. I love it. I, I have great guys with the Dukes to work with. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, however, I just loved as an example, the structure in Japan and obviously in the US, it's a different animal as well, but I did not like this hire and fire thing in the US. It's, it's really a tough ass business and Sure, you can take it and you can go through it, you can push through it, but if it's always a struggle and you're not one of the top dogs that makes like um, that beautiful amount of money, mm -hmm. it's tough. As a GA, I got my scholarship and on top of that, I had like a stipend of 1,100. That's it. So then I had rent 400 bucks, I had a car, I had a cell phone, but there's not a lot of money that you have left over. I still love it, would do it again, but yeah. It's just like, what do you want? And right now I just enjoy being back home with my family. You know, um, that was one of the main reasons why I just said I'm not doing a second year in Japan because now it's getting deep. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So <sighs> happy to be here at the moment. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's a decision has to make and you can, Turn the by the time back. Yeah, that's that's that, that's what it is. So and like like you say, I mean, I had a, I saw an interview from Bruce Arian once. Um, he was like super super serious in a kind of funny way. Like I win the Super Bowl with the Steelers getting fired. I win the Super Bowl with the Colts getting fired. Yes. I win the yes. Super Bowl with this with this with this getting fired here, fired there. Um, it is, it is a part of the business. It is, yeah. that's why I say, I mean, we all love this pressure and we all hate this pressure, you know? Yeah. Having a normal job going out and you know, I can do here everything. I sit in this office for the next 40 years. Or you know, this Saturday, I don't know, we are 0-3, the job yeah. is on yeah. the line. 
this is the pressure what makes what what makes me also alive like I remember when I go with a cheap round bobcats to the check ball. I was yeah. like drinking energy drinks, not sleeping. I was like, I was so hyped. I was like, because the expectation was winning. I was like, damn, we have to get it done. I was sitting at three o'clock at night on my desk. I was like, oh shit, that's a heart attack. It's like, oh, this is a heart attack. I was like, this is. That's what I always say when, when friends call me, like, hey, you want to come home? You want to get a safe job? I was like, oh, I, I, will, I will jump off the bridge after, after a week. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need this pressure. And, I mean, working with the guys and all the kids and all the players together, it's great. But, yeah. Beautiful. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful journey. I mean, and Arian said it too. He's like, if you want to coach ball, if you want to do it for life, then you better put your house on wheels. To stay somewhere long term, like was it Shuan and Lee were there what for ten years for Europe? Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the it's states, crazy. you kind of see more coaches being there more long termish. I mean, but yeah. Europe, where it's a year to year business, or not not even year to year, it's what eight months. Let's say GFL, eight nine months, right? Something like that. Let's say. Crazy. Started in January. Um, yeah. There is no long term. So when everybody asks, "Oh, why are you leaving? Or why are you going to this team?" Well, it's like it's up to this team to bring me back. Kind of like what you said, right? You're always open yeah. for the next to the next potential job because this is a paycheck you're putting on the table. If you can't commit as a program, and this is what Coach Parker told me, go to teams that want to keep you long-term. If they can't yeah. get up, don't, don't, even, don't even touch that, that interview because you want to be yeah. with a team that's going to try to keep you. And like we talk about, right? Everybody says they want to coach ball here in Europe and this and that. People don't understand, and people always ask, well, why don't you get enough sleep? You coach football. Like, you work all day. It's like the pressure. People don't understand. There is pressure. Yeah, and you're sitting there, literally, like you're not sleeping the, the night before a semifinal game in Brodsvab because you're like this. This game could go two ways, and we're banged yeah. up. The receiver tore his hamstring. He's a game time decision. He's still trying to gut it out, and you got a lackluster roster. You tell me if you can sleep. Yeah. <laughs> management talking about you know potentially bringing you back next year because they're expecting a championship right now this weekend. You know, and people you don't understand. <laughs> Like, yeah, the quality of life is better in Europe for coaches per se. Yeah, these programs don't commit to you long term, and if you can't commit to you long term, how do you expect us to kind of like get our get our sleep? Because it's a thing, right? And there's yeah. there are coaches out there that probably don't give a crap, and it's kind of like whatever. The coaches that give yeah. a crap, and I've been there too. When I'm drinking like four or five energy drinks, you saw me doing with the Allspot too. Yeah. Like. Day, it's day three, mid-book on a Wednesday, and you're like, oh, my God. But we got used I'm already to freaking lockdown, exhausted. Right? That's the thing, right? During the season, even right now, for me, it's weird with the lockdown. It's like normally during this time, I'm getting maybe three hours of sleep. Even right now, like, I can't sleep regularly because for us right now, it's like – and it's normal because we take our job seriously. We enjoy yeah. it like a high, you yeah. know? And that's like I know, yeah. I know the second is the off-season. It starts maybe two weeks – I could take it. I'm kind of sitting there biting my finger, and I was like, "I got to do something." You know what I mean? <laughs> got too much time. Yeah. <laughs> you hate it, but you love it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, like if I if I think back about my first college football game, it was against Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield. So we fly there. Police escort to the stadium. I'm super pumped. We score in the opening drive. I'm sitting in the press box. I'm like, "Yes, man, we upset Oklahoma." Well. We got our ass kicked. We land back in El Paso, I think, around 11 at night. 
hustle to the office, finish like that little play-by-play sheet that the offense coordinator wants from me. Um, I finished that like about at one, went back home, had like four hours of sleep, had to get back to the office, finish um, um, the breakdown for the next opponent because that had to be done Sundays by noon. So, of course, there's always that one game that your next opponent plays on the same day like you that you have to do. And that's nothing special. Everybody is doing that. Every GA is going through that. So what people that don't coach American football, especially in Europe, don't get, yes, we might not have the structure like this and this, but we take it serious. So we do things, but we don't get that paycheck. (laughs) And... That's what, that's what I tell my, all the players when they're coming, like, oh, coach, is it, is it a problem? I, I don't make the away game. And you are my, you are my freaking <laughs> starting, starting defense end. You think, I mean, I'm telling you the whole week what the game plan is. We're playing against Frank Rosa. Eight trick plays. <laughs> what do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, and, and that's like – and. The, but I, I'm not yelling at them. I say, it's your decision. I, I have no time to discuss with you. You come to me. Yeah. You're, not, you're not really asking me if it's a problem. You just want the piece of yourself like, no, yeah. oh, no. I, okay, then I get the next one. But don't ask me if you're next week on the roster. So yeah. that's what it is. Because I tell them, there's a reason why I have never little things like a cell phone contract. Because they're running yeah. for months. I don't know if I have been 24 months. I'm still here. It's yeah. <laughs> freaking amazing. Phone. I say, yeah. oh, 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 coach, I say, no, come, <laughs> give me the next one. So that, that, that's what it is, to what everyone has to understand. Because I also, um, like, like coach said before, it's like, oh, in, in Europe, it's always this one team, one family. But I, nev- I, ne- I never heard of the uh, 0-10 season, oh, we still one family. That's what it is. It, it's what it is. And I'm never mad with anyone. When a president comes to me, yeah. it don't work out. I say, hey, I no worry. It's a job. If you feel it like that, I'm fine. I I not talk bad about you, not bad about me, and and and, and we leave. But it is a job, and like that's you, what it should be. Yeah, absolutely. it should be. Um, Sit down, communicate, and yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I had it. I had it in, in Denmark. I uh, recognized after a press, uh, after a uh, newspaper interview. Oh, oh, Google Translator said I'm fired. That's really, <laughs> really? Oh, I'm like, whoa! Oh, oh, probably it is like that. That happened. It's one of the. I, I, I really. I, don't touch that. Oh, we're not touching it. I'm going to start Googling. <laughs> I mean, getting, getting fired sucks, man. I never forget, like, getting into the office of the uh, sports director, like, in December 2017. Ben Hammer, the other German J, was already sitting in there, and then it was our sports director, and um, uh, I forgot his official position right now. But another guy, and he's standing there, and I come in, and we had the most awkward, random small talk ever about a neighbor's dog. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck is this about? <laughs> so you just know something is up. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing breakdowns right now. And I'm talking about a dog. <laughs> yeah. And then you're just sitting there. And then they close the door slowly. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, shit. I'm getting fired. But reading it in a newspaper in a different language is also pretty yeah. shitty. Man. <laughs> I mean, and that's, and that's kind of the thing where, like even right now with the meetings that we're having, I'm doing a lot of team building. 
because yeah. when we start up, we're not going to have that time. So like, and I love my guys and you know me, Frank, like I'm a guy where I end up developing good relationships because I coach for a reason. I coach to change lives because my life yeah. changed because I didn't have a dad. So my coaches were dads for me. And I know yeah. if I could change one player's life that year on the roster. I've done my job as a coach. Right. Yeah. And, but this is the thing, right? Like he's kind of talking about family and all that. Like I'll always keep that. But at the end of the day, in the back of my mind, I know that this is a job and it is business. And yeah. at the end of the day, there's decisions to be made at some point, you know, like if a team can't commit to you, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You know, and you had some and situations you, there too. Parker, that's why Parker's back in the States, for example. And like, and he told me this too. He's like, he, he would have gladly stayed out here, but if a team would have said, we're paying you year round and maybe a little bit more money. Yeah. He's not, but he's the, not asking for like the, the three, four, five, six thousand uh, euro contracts a month that we're hearing about sometimes with, with top with top coaches out here and even players in Europe. Like yeah. we're talking about maybe two. <laughs> maybe, maybe, man. Two. maybe, maybe. Give me give me a little bit more than what somebody makes with with um with uh a, a right? Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. But if you can't do that, like how do you expect? Because people got bills to pay. You got literally it's food for you to pay or to put on, on the table. Yeah. That's what people got to understand. It's like, how do you expect me to sit here? Like you were saying about, why don't you stay in New York? All right. For, for 300 yeah. bucks a month. And it's like, it's, it's insane, man. It's going to feed me. <laughs> how am I going to pay my, my non-existent phone contracts <laughs> or uh, my net 10 bucks a month? I mean, now it's more, right? I mean, that, adds yeah. up, you know, yeah. it's kind of, and it's true. I mean, that's kind of things where you gotta, you have to look at it because, this is the thing. If it was anybody else in your shoes, they do the same thing. Of course. The same thing. Of course. And that's what like gets me. Like just saying, generally speaking, like if you would not get your salary on the first of the month or whatever you get in a regular job on the, on your regular job, you would like freak the shit out. But here it's like, yeah, you have to understand blah, blah, blah. Okay. Thank you. Because people don't understand really that coaching business yet like it's in the U.S. Like different world, Japan, different world. And here it's like, of course, some do understand the value and everything, but it's brutal. It's brutal. Like I have people that I know, friends, colleagues, whatever. They're like, so what are you doing with your life? I'm like, well, I'm coaching. I'm like, yeah, but what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> never mind. Let's just stop talking right here. It's okay. <laughs> I yeah. love this conversation. Yeah. Yes. yes. Like, no, yeah. I coach football. Like, this is my job. Especially for us, but we've worked our way up from being players and assistants to get where we're at. Like, yeah. it is not easy. I mean, I'm totally bashing right now against soccer coaches. But, like, if I'm a soccer coach, I know there's strategy behind it. But, like, you have your practice. You have your 90-minute game. You analyze it. Okay, great. But what do you do during the game? Like, you, do, you can substitute three times. You can like make some calls, but as a football coach, as we know, we are analyzing everything and you can make a different strategy every freaking play. And this is why it's so, so harsh for us coaches, because we're like, damn, if I choose that decision or that strategy and it totally went down the shitter, like, you know, where was my mistake in the preparation or what I loved about myself, like, oh, the running back from the team lined up outside or inside shoulder tackle instead of behind the guard. What does that mean? So you go back all these freaking games 
and look for something and then you think you find something and then you don't and then it's like fucked up and like uh, i just wasted an hour of my life so yeah. now people people think it's like it's easy but like i mean i sit there and i look at too and i think sometimes i'm like am i over preparing but it's like it's part of the job you're watching tape and people don't understand like watching tape means like actually watching tape analyze i'm not sitting there watching highlights that's also what yeah. some players understand it's like we're not sitting here watching highlights it's like yeah you're trying to find tendencies yeah yeah you know? and you're looking through let's say cut-ups of for the most part you're probably getting 300 to 500 plays if that that's yeah. a lot of freaking what tape watching i do yeah. understand that that is consuming consuming yeah. And since we do not have GAs that do the breakdown for us, we have to do the breakdown first. And that's, it. that's something I got better in as well. I got way more better with my breakdowns being a GA. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's the thing with, when you talk to American coaches that never been to hero and say, Oh, I'm the offense coordinator, defense coordinator, head coach, whatever. I say, Oh, you have an easy life with GAs doing everything. I was like, Nope. I'm probably the nope. coach this week because no one else has time. So try to coach yeah. D line, linebacker, DBs, make a breakdown, and all. It's 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 a little things with uh, with people don't see sometimes. Don't want to yeah. well, trying right now, but no, <laughs> it's, like, it's, I mean, 100. percent If you if if I could come day before a game, right? Like like in Kiel, for example, I had to do Parker's breakdowns. Everything was already broken down that. by <laughs> by Thursday because you treat me like a GA. So for me, that yeah. was my GA, like him and Coach Dish. Because even Dish came straight from D1, right? He, he was used to having three little minions working for him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now you go to the good situation where it's like a fight to get melee on your side of the ball. Like, who's going to do your stuff, right? But anyhow, like, I remember for offense, for the week before, let's say we're about to play Munich this week. We're playing English Slot next week. Well, this, this Thursday, I already had all the breakdowns done of those three to whatever games that he needed, minimum three. They were done because on Friday, he would start on the breakdowns for the next week. We don't yeah. have that. I like for the most part, like you gotta do that on your own. You know? Yeah. Like that, that's the Nobody. that's the mess everything on your own. Yeah, you do it on your own. And that's the messed up thing because you're still game planning for or you're still in preparation for that game on let's say Saturday, but you know if you don't start the breakdown for the next opponent, you're gonna be late. Exactly. So it's it's brutal. And um sure you could use your American players more. That would might be a solution. But at the same time, I don't want to put a lot of that stuff on their shoulders. But yeah, it's it's tough, man. <laughs> That's why it's great to have GAs. So any GA candidates interested in the GA experience, <laughs> send your applications, frankroser at gmail.com. <laughs> um, what are you offering benefits? Uh, yeah, I, I give you the exact game plan that I'm going to do. <laughs> I remember one thing that Jordan, what Jordan was trying to do to coerce me and Coach Zeller, who's now also the special teams coordinator in the hall, he'd say, hey, I want to keep you guys here long term. He's like, we'll give you a full-time job. I'd be like, all right, what are we talking about? And he's like, well, there's no pay. There's no it's just like you guys here. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what this means. Maybe we get a K-Bob. Like we did from Coach Newman after we won the German in Berlin at the train station. He bought us a K-Bob. <laughs> you know, it was a good K-Bob. I'm not gonna so lie. wait, you guys, you guys won that year the German Bowl, right? Yeah. And literally after so the German Bowl, the that night, we we got a K-Bob. He bought us a K-Bob. It was delicious. Uh, with Schlosskäse. Uh, <laughs> 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 and we got free meals at UTEP uh, once a day. Um, that was awesome. 
What'd you get? One meal? Uh, one meal a day for free at UTEP. Sometimes they made special, yep, like we, we had like for the GAs, we had a meal list where you could go to different restaurants and get one free meal a week, a day. So just one. Yep. But there was cereal in the morning and a lot of bananas. So we got that. And after practice, I'm totally lying. We got a free uh, Mexican wrap. Yeah. And Since El Paso is right at the border, you know, we kind of like, I got to experience your culture, Mili. So yeah, that was pretty good. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, it depends how, how good it was. If it was like a Mexican lady in like a broken down kitchen with beat up chairs, then I could, then it's probably good. <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna lie. Those are the good places, the legit places. I know. Or like the, the, the Thai or Asian food and you go to kind of hole in the wall places, great food. Yeah. Great food. Yeah. Either it's gonna the- be good or you get diarrhea and your stomach is messed up for like three, four days. <laughs> Thankfully for me, it was also the number one thing. So I, I was okay. <laughs> yeah. no, that was great. It was really great. No, but uh, we, we, we appreciate having you on the show. Um, Thank you guys. Episode, we had a lot of fun oh, talking, yeah. About, yeah. talking about your experience um, from out here, starting off as a player, basically seeing your coaching journey all the way to the States and then Japan and then back to Germany. Um, hopefully we see you in, let's say, let's say next two months. Oh, uh, we, it was yeah. fun. We hitting the two and a half hours here. It was uh, perfect. It was, wow. Was, yeah. was, was, I hope you guys out there, you liked it. Please give some comments there. Uh, topics you want to talk. Maybe a guest you want to have. Uh, we try to make everything happen. Of course, Tom Brady is not available. But uh, oh, everyone else. The best thing. <laughs> yeah. so. If you guys want me again, just comment it below. I'm willing to talk again so oh, we can definitely call you in with somebody actually next week i'm gonna have demi oh wow yeah he's uh he's back in munich right now lockdown but he wanted to be home so his his coaches at uh at uri university of rhode island they allowed him to come back and they basically wow. be back like middle to end june and demi's like there's no way they're gonna let me fly back it's gonna be a travel <laughs> ban <laughs> like, there's no way i'm stuck yeah damn man um and then Friday, we're supposed to have Roby, Nathaniel Robitaille. Oh, wow. Number 86. Basically, well, he calls himself the number one ride receiver in all of Europe. He says he, he needs to be recognized as that. And then we'll have a, a guest. Essentially, it's supposed to be a two-person show. I can't drop the name yet until it's confirmed. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Tomorrow, we get the first player. Now, we had two coaches. Tomorrow, we get... A guy who is probably known in no. Germany, Daniel Palasovic from Czech Republic. He was right receiver with the Stuttgart Scorpions, import right receiver with the uh, Ingolstadt Dukes. Long time, multiple times Czech ball champion for the Prague Black Panthers. And he has his own gym built up as an American football gym with turf with all the stuff everyone coach talks about this is what we need like college facilities and he did it in Prague I think this is a great uh, great thing to talk about him wow he still is a player and already thinks about this direction um I think we have a lot of fun with him as well didn't you he when did he play in English side? Oh, 2017 I, I coached him for you, right? yep. I remember him and I'm yep. thinking, he did yeah 
<laughs> I saw because was he was number seventeen as well. Yes, yeah, number that. seventeen. Yes. So that, that, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, I know, man. We're like this. Yeah. We're like this. <laughs> but anyhow, man. Um, what if, if people have any tips about yoga getting started? You want them to contact you on your on your Instagram? Yeah, please uh, follow me on Instagram. Sooner or later, I will upload some great videos about how to do the crow and uh, headstand. So I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> but I really would recommend it, like literally to players, just make sure you take care of your body. And I'm not just saying train as hard as you. Like this is what I told the players at UTEP, even if you want to play great, Train hard. If you want to play long, well, do some yoga and have good nutrition. So I think that's very important. And the funniest thing about my yoga training was like when I had my final exam, I was like, okay, when I coach football, I'm high energy, I'm pushing people and I'm get going here. So, but when you coach yoga, you cannot say, hey, let's go. Can we hustle? (laughs) (laughs) So especially I did yin yoga, which is the soft yoga. So I have to say, relax, be in the present moment. And, you know, I'm like, wow, this is even me talking here. So <laughs> great. Love it. Learning and growing out of the comfort zone. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually just got my mat finally. They finally delivered it after waiting. Maybe we should for it. I'm, do I'm some yoga some together. Yoga clothes. Send me some yoga. Yeah. Okay. The crow. I sent Thank you that video, the crow. Well, you can wear your uh, tiger speedo that you love to wear at the Bavarian All-Star. I meetings. never wore That was you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I uh, appreciate having you. And I'll talk Guys, to you thank you bye so bye. much. Hey. Great that you do this and um, appreciate it. And hope to see you guys very soon. Yeah. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Let's go. <laughs>